2: excellence in sports entertainment
3: welcome to grilling jr with the voice of professional wrestling good old jim ross jr how are you this week i'm good how are you fall I'm doing well, Jr. Good to be back with you again. I know you, uh, you're about to, uh, embark on a trip across the pond. We're trying to get right. you ahead a little bit here with the podcast and, uh, talk to us about this. We've been talking about it the last few weeks on the show. I know you're excited to get over there.
2: Yeah, it's a huge, uh, fan event, uh, with, uh, as many amazing, uh, array of talent, uh, and a lot of them from the attitude era. I'm looking forward to a lot of them. I haven't seen in a long time. I was just thinking Uh, you know, you have landmarks in your life and I was just trying to think a lot of these guys I haven't seen since uh, Jen got killed. Mm. So that's 2017. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. You know, I know they've got, I think the Steiners are there and, uh, uh, the Wyatt family's there, you know, golly, it's just a ray, Trish Lita, Tori Wilson, it's a really an amazing group. Uh, of talents that they've assembled. It's, it's, it's a daunting thing to get everybody there, but, uh, it looks like everything's on, on schedule. You know, my, I got a new passport and <laughs> I got, a uh, uh, you know, got travels done. So, you know, it's gonna be a quick trip in and out, but, uh, looking forward to it. It should be a hell of an event. I can't imagine if you're a fan and you're in that area or you can get to Liverpool. Uh, you don't, you know, check it out because it's, it's going to be Extraordinary. I just don't see how you can get this group of talent together again. Uh, you know, it's just tough. So in any event, it should be fun and I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of that event and, uh, we should have fun over there. So always enjoy it. I always enjoy catching up with my friends and a lot of the talent that I work, worked with, it's going to be kind of cool. So all good, man. Life is good.
3: Yeah, no, know you've talked about it a little bit, but it's for the love of wrestling and it is going to be an absolute blast. Like you said, a loaded card, uh, lots of folks over there, Kurt angle, Bray Wyatt, others, uh, for the love of Uk, And that's April 23rd and 24th. As this drops. Uh it's gonna be that weekend. So man, I know you've been really excited about that. Not just to, to to see your old friends and people that you worked with and hired in many cases, but also the fans. It's just good to be back with the fans again, JR.
2: Yeah, it is. You know, this COVID is still with us, but it's not as unmanageable, it seems like anyway, as it was. So uh good timing. Should be fun. Uh long plane ride of flying from uh uh Pittsburgh to Kennedy, then Kennedy to Manchester. Then uh, that's a 10 hour flight. Then once I get to uh, Manchester, uh, we'll go by car to Liverpool and, uh, and get the show on the road. So looking forward to it.
3: Well, JR safe travels. We hope you have a great time. We know you'll have a great time. It's going to be really good for you to get out there, get on the road. And some, I'm sure a lot of people are going to have well wishes for you. This is the first time they've got to interact with you since you know, the cancer and everything that yep. you went through as well there. So it's just going to yep. be a great time wishing you nothing but success and, and a, and a fun time there. Things are going swimmingly well with you and AEW great shows are happening. We're seeing some great matches, uh, that are taking place there. It's just an exciting time, uh, all around to be a wrestling fan and in the wrestling business.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It should be fun. It's all about having fun. And you know, it's no, it's no fun to sit in a, your, your seat on the plane for 10 hours, but, uh, it's not the first time I've done that. i it's the first time I've done that with my cancer issue, uh, still, you know, this wound is still open, uh, and it's still healing, but to uh, see how that's going to react on a 10 hour flight is going to be, uh, interesting, but, uh, we'll make it always do.
3: You got it. Well, listen, we have a loaded show today. It's backlash 2002 and we're coming right out of WrestleMania 18. That iconic night in Toronto. Which, if you haven't already, uh, folks, make sure you sign up for adfreeshows.com. Myself, JR, and Mike Chioda did a watch-along of the Epic Hogan Rock Match. So make sure you go out of your way to check it out. We had a a lot of fun with that, JR, reliving that memory. Uh, Top guys there on shows got to ask questions. Uh, It was a lot of fun reliving those memories and and those goosebumps, if you will, from that night.
2: Yeah, I'm always interested in hearing what the fans have to say and what what they're interested in and and what but it's with the the right switch for them. So, uh, yes, we've had some good stuff. Ad-free shows is the way to go. It's affordable. You get amazing content that you can't get anywhere else. It's just not available anywhere else. So, uh, ad-free shows is the way to go. And like I said, it's very affordable for for all of us wrestling fans. So, uh, hope folks will try it out. You won't regret it. It's a, it's fun stuff, video and audio. And, uh, and Conrad's got this great roster assembled. And so we're, we're, uh, just puttering right along and, and uh, and, and enjoying
3: it. And it's an ever growing roster by the way, and he's not done. You know, if those who say, uh, you know, I see a lot of, a lot more Paul Bromwell around, well, there's a reason because Conrad is trying to grow this thing even bigger and better, bring on more and more talent. And, right. uh, it's just getting bigger, you know? Conrad started with the core folks and he's going to continue to add on. So it's just an exciting thing. I have a feeling we're all going to be getting together soon. Again, like we did last year, JR in Chicago, and, uh, you and the King got up on stage and had a good time with all of us. We're going to do that. Something like that again this year, and it's going to be a blast and you don't want to miss out on those types of opportunities. I agree wholeheartedly. Yep. So listen. We're going to get into this right now. We talk a lot about, and some folks, especially about the lull after WrestleMania WrestleMania is such it is, it's the super bowl of wrestling and we're all pumped up for it. We can't wait to check it out. And it's, it's the peak. How hard do you think it is is, Jr., to follow up on that event? Or is that sometimes just an excuse?
2: Oh, I don't know. You could, you could use an excuse for anything, Paul. You're you're right. You're right about that. I don't think it's that hard. I mean. Uh, you just go out and do your work. And, and, uh, this is an interesting card headlined by a tag match, which is interesting. Uh, and, uh, but you know, it's not hard, Paul. You just, if you love what you do, then it's just another opportunity to do what you love. And that's kind of how I look at it. So it's another opportunity and I love opportunities.
3: Well, the Raw the Night After Mania is in Montreal. It draws fifteen thousand five hundred fans, which is a sellout and gets a five point two eight rating and draws eight hundred and ninety thousand in Canada, which is way above the average of five hundred and forty three thousand. This is gotta be the Hogan effect, don't you think, Jr.?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, Hogan the Hogan Rock match is the impetus uh for the momentum, uh, I think. And uh Hogan uh, having such a great performance with rock uh and uh, their match that they had that that rock won and I, you know just uh, that that started the wheel rolling and it continued past uh uh you know WrestleMania and and now this this event here is i think uh kind of underrated at, at some point but it's star-studded and we'll go over it because we got a lot of things to talk about on the show
3: We do. This show opens with the most incredible reaction I've ever seen on television for a pro wrestler. When Hogan comes out and Jim, I got the clip. We're going to check it out together. Let's take a look. Here we go. Okay. JR, my goodness, even Hulk Hogan, who's heard probably some of the loudest crowd reactions of anyone yep. to be there in that moment. It just sounded like the crowd was getting louder and louder.
2: Yeah, they were, they were, as we'd like to use the term emotionally invested. And that's one of the better examples of the fans being emotionally invested and the show, hasn't even started. You're getting this reaction on an entrance. So it's, it was pretty cool. I, I, I enjoyed that, uh, you know, that was the best been to Montreal many times, but I've never been to Montreal with that kind of reaction. It was just just, uh, very memorable, something I won't forget.
3: Awesome, and that was uh, fun to relive. So uh, Rock comes out and they shake hands. It's being sold as the greatest match of all time. Hogan rips his NWO shirt off, which brings Nash and Hall out, and that's the main event. And uh, there's no question, Hogan, being out of the NWO so quickly, had everything to do with the reaction he was getting, don't you think?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was uh, it, all everything. All the parts are fitting perfectly thus far.
3: There you go. Jr. hindsight being 2020, there's no way Hogan doesn't come back as being part of the NWO since that's the plan. But do you think looking back, the real money was bringing Hogan back and not the whole NWO?
2: I think so. You know, I think so it's fresh start, uh, and it, it organically it worked. Uh, it made sense, logical booking. Uh, and you know, we had lightning in a the bottle there, Hogan reestablished himself as this legitimate legend and the match matches rock. And so now there's some momentum there. And, uh, I, I, uh, I just thought it was, was very well done. Interesting booking, uh, interesting time for creative and, uh, a lot of fun, quite frankly.
3: It's interesting you say that about an interesting time for booking and creative because Linda McMahon herself would announce that next week there's going to be a draft with Ric Flair running Raw, Vince McMahon running SmackDown. Uh, Along with that, the undisputed and women's champions at the time, Triple H and Jazz, they can travel back and forth between the shows. So that's how uh, this one would work. Let's talk about the brand split now at this time. Do you think this was the best way to launch the brand split in your opinion, or was there a better idea thrown around that you think would have been better? Or just what are your thoughts about the brand split in general, Jr?
2: Well, I like the brand split. If there's a true brand split, I didn't, I didn't like the brand split to get watered down and, and become uh, you know, who are you going to Yeah, I like, I like exclusivity. I think that would have been a better way to go, uh, just for my taste. And give these guys a chance to get established on a, on their own vehicle, uh, whether it be raw or SmackDown. So, you know, I don't, I'm sure there's, there's, they always say there's plenty of right ways to do a storyline. And, uh, but this is one way of doing it. And, but it, the, my issue with the brand split was not the concept of doing it. It's how it was executed. Once the trigger was pulled.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You can't, if you're going to do the brand split and then you're, you have a plan. Are you going to stick with the plan and show consistency or are you going to start to change things up? Because then what's, what's the point of it?
2: Yeah, um, well, it, it's, it's, it was, uh, it, it seemed like the pure brand, but it didn't last that long before we started seeing the, uh, uh, you know, fans, uh, uh, you know, enjoying it hopefully, but, uh, it was a uh, very interesting times. We had not been there before, so I don't know. It's hard to predict how you would have done it. You could have done it. There's a lot of ways, as I said, to do it, but the key thing for me was maintaining some, uh, uh, uniqueness and some exclusivity once the brand split happened. And I think that's where we might've let folks down a little bit, at least in my opinion, that's just my take.
3: Yeah. Hey, this is the, you're, you're, you're being the, you're the pioneers for something like this. This had, this has never been done before within a wrestling company. So there you go. Well, JR, the beast incarnate, another really big moment here, uh, happened Brock Lesnar debuts during Al snow versus Maven in a hardcore title match. And literally he just crushes everybody. Spike Dudley, who tried to win the 24 seven challenge, the image of Brock power bombing spike Three consecutive times with Heyman pounding on the mat is one of those moments that stands the test of time. And, buddy, I have the clip for you. We're going to watch Brock Lesnar's debut. Let's check it out. Here we go.
0: doing out here? Oh, he's he's just—he's destroying Look at this monster! My God, the size of this man! Look at who's at ringside with Brock. Oh my God! What the hell is that Berman doing here? Paul Heyman at ringside—he's oh, been fired. He doesn't work for this, this company any longer. What is he doing out here? And you don't think He's shouting instructions to. Trying to hurt him around in this hardcore matchup. Oh God, that is a scary strength, that spike! This thing. Been-
3: My God, Jr. Spike Dudley may still be trying to recover from that.
0: Holy <laughs> yeah,
2: pets off to spike you know, for taking those, uh, power bombs that weren't, they weren't uh gentle,
3: not at uh, all.
2: and, uh, it, there's just nobody like Lesnar. I mean, you know, he, nobody before him, nobody after him has been so dominant. You know, he was, uh, when we signed him, I thought, you know, gosh, if this guy just doesn't implode because of being on the road and not being used to being on the road, uh. He's going to leave a lasting impression, and, and he's still at it. So, uh, yeah. Brock Lesnar a, is a, just a simply a beast, and I think he's better now than he was even then. I mean, he's he's learned the business, he's acclimated to the business, and uh, you can tell he's put a lot of time in his craft, which I greatly respect.
3: How, uh, how much did you enjoy here at the debut? And, uh, what did you, you know, Heyman, he's part of the presentation, overall thoughts on, on his debut and, and Heyman there as a part of it.
2: Well, I'm a big Paul Heyman fan and supporter. Uh, anytime a wrestler can get a, a talent like Heyman, as we've seen Roman reigns, uh, migrate to Paul. It's a, it's a good thing for the talent because Heyman's a difference maker. Uh, no manager has ever been a made a, and at least in recent memory that I can think of has made an impact on, uh, their, their talents like Paul Heyman has created. So it was, I thought it was a good move and Heyman, uh, liked, uh, and, and Brock got along well. I think that was important to keep Brock comfortable, answer his questions. And certainly Paul could, uh, fulfill that obligation very easily.
3: Well, JR, to wrap this show up here, this raw, the main event, uh, was and Nash and Hogan and rock, and that would end in a count out. Obviously the main angle coming out of the show is the, is the draft In your opinion, did the draft need more than just a one week build?
2: Oh, I don't know. You know, it could have a lot of ways. You could look at that, Paul, I, you know, yeah, it, it, you can always do something better in hindsight. But I think for what we had to work with and no precedent, uh, it was probably a real good, uh, it probably worked out just fine, quite frankly.
3: Well, until you're starting it right after WrestleMania, which is almost like we're ending a season and we're starting a right. new season of TV. So that's there correct. You go. That's the storyline. JR, we move on to SmackDown on March 21st. And that comes from Ottawa in front of 9,610 fans. And it gets a 4.3 rating. And this is technically the last SmackDown before the brand split. And the story is here. Vince is trying to line up his roster. How insane was the process of JR of trying to decide who went where?
2: Well, anytime you try to make multiple talents happy, you're challenged because that's almost impossible. Uh, And guys didn't want to break up their writing partners, uh, talents that were in relationships want to be on the same uh, travel schedule, Uh, you know, uh, the boyfriend, girlfriend thing was an issue. Uh, but it was, uh, it was, uh, it was challenging. You can't make everybody happy uh, and the fans and, uh, uh, and the talent. But, uh, you know, uh, I I, w- I was involved in tons of those conversations. People lobbying for their, their brand. So, uh, it was, but it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, a, it was, a inter- it was challenging, but a necessary evil. I thought. We needed to do something and this was hopefully if the brand splits were true, uh, gives everybody the opportunity to get more TV time, uh, in a prime time environment and it gets, it puts a spotlight on them better. So, uh, you know, all in all I, I'm for the, I was for the brand split, but I, I got less for it. That makes sense. Uh, after the, uh, when they started migrating from brand to brand, I, I just didn't think that was, uh a smart way of doing it, but, uh, you know, it, there were exceptions and all that stuff, but, uh, Hey, look, it, I don't know how to s- explain it. It's just, it, it was a, it was a good idea. It was for the right reasons, but go- along the way to get there, to build this new infrastructure, uh, was uh, challenging to say the least a lot of boo-boo faces.
3: You said it right though, JR, when you were uh, describing it, it was the opportunity to get more talent, more TV time. Now, when you start swapping people back and forth, that means not as many talent is going to have that same amount of TV time. If you're just going to move people, you know, same characters back and forth to the shows. So in theory, when you're originally pitching it, yeah, that's awesome. Now more talent's going to get, have the opportunity for some TV time. And so you definitely can see a big win there and why people would be, at least the talent would be so excited about it right yeah well uh ddp's european title reign ends very quickly when uh, regal hits him with the brass knucks for the pin in the victory and jr this would really be ddp's uh you know biggest moment here uh is is he considered one of the biggest misses you think in company history as far as you know where he went while he was with wwe
2: might might have been you know I i don't know uh you know, we were happy to have Dallas on the roster. He may have been underutilized to say the least, uh, but, uh, nobody ever questioned his talent. Uh, and, uh, you know, here's the guy that's probably one of the greatest overachievers in the history of wrestling to start wrestling in his mid thirties. And he wasn't a, uh, a college athlete. He was, he, you know, he, he was just a, a guy that worked his ass off to, in a business that he loved. So I would say under those circumstances that Dallas was probably a little bit underutilized to say the least. But, uh, you know, he survived it. He's got a successful business. Now he's helping people. I saw where he's working with Buff Bagwell now to help him get his life straightened out, which is wonderful to Dallas to do. Hopefully it works. And, uh, and like, you know, he's helped Jake Roberts and, and he helps. Of course, we remember him helping Scott Hall. Uh, so I don't know I, it, if you're a DDT fan, here's what the answer is.
1: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
3: But you're right, though. He has always been an overachiever, and he continues to see success. Uh, He and Jake now have a podcast with Conrad. So, you know, they're continuing to move forward. Imagine (laughs) that. The ever-growing empire. Well, here's another uh, nugget in news. Rico, he makes his debut as Billy and Chuck's stylist. Rico was one of the guys who started in the wrestling business later on in life, but Jim Cornette always put him over as someone who was very good in the ring and had a personality. What were your thoughts on Rico making his big splash into the company as Billy and Chuck's stylist, JR?
2: Well, I wasn't crazy about the uh, creative Uh that was really on the strong side of inter- the entertainment side of sports entertainment. Uh Billy and Chuck were great hands. Uh but all the 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 innuendo and all the uh supposition about Billy and Chuck's sexuality and all that stuff, I didn't I didn't I didn't buy into that much. I to me it was unbelievable and, and uh it was kind of silly. But uh, you know, that's what the boss wanted and, and that's what we delivered. And as far as Rico's casting, or booking uh you know he was he was good for that role rico was always very reliable you know he was a former police officer uh you know stayed lived in vegas uh he went to ovw did a good job i always heard good reports every the weekly reports on rico are always positive he worked hard he was never late uh so for that reason i was happy that they were doing it because it gave rico an opportunity it also gave Billy and Chuck an opportunity to reinvent themselves, so to speak. So, but just this personally, uh, because of the, uh, uh, sexuality aspect of it, uh, what should, what it is or what isn't, I don't know how you look at it, but it wasn't my favorite, uh, uh, storyline. And, but you know, I, I, uh, I, I, anytime it gets talents that deserve a break, a break. Yeah, you like it. And so that's kind of how I hung my hat on that deal. I just thought it was, you know, it was just not my cup of tea, but what the hell that don't mean anything. All that means is that Jr. Personally didn't like it, but you couldn't tell that in my work. Uh, and I was happy those guys were getting an opportunity. I don't even know how, how, how excited Billy and Chuck were on that packaging. But in any event, it gave them a chance to reinvent themselves. And, and it gave Rico a job. So, you know, that's right. It was, it was, uh, it worked out. Okay.
3: Also, speaking of uh, a job, X-Pac comes back and he reappears to join the NWO and a beat down on rock and Hogan. And it, he's uh, in the NWO again. Makes sense, right? Sean Waltman back with the NWO.
2: Yeah. He fit, well, he fit really well with, uh, with Hall and Nash, you know, their buddies, they had good chemistry, uh, and don't forget, uh, with adding X-Pac to that, uh, mix, uh, put him in a. Real good spot. He was a Sean Waltman's very intelligent and had a great feel for creative. Uh, and so him together with those guys, I thought was, uh, the right way to go on that.
3: He, uh, he just made a a little bit of a wrestling comeback for GCW. Unfortunately tore his bicep, but he uh, got himself in great shape and hopefully he, uh, has a speedy recovery and we can see him back again. So. Uh, there's also rumor and innuendo in the wrestling observer. Imagine. No, imagine. (laughs) No, get the hell out of here. (laughs) That there's talk internally of putting some cruiserweights on SmackDown after the draft. They're talking about bringing in super crazy. JR Jerry Lynn, possibly bring brought back in. Do you remember any of this discussion about potentially adding cruiserweights to the, uh, SmackDown brand?
2: Well, the, the guys you mentioned and the, and other cruiserweights that we had available to us, uh are gonna make the show better because they're quality performers. You know, uh Jerry Lynn's so underrated. Uh he he's the hell of a hand and awesome. he, Jerry's doing a great job. He's a coach uh for AEW now, uh and has been since pretty much day one, I think. Yeah. So Jerry does a great job and uh but to get Jerry to get more matches on television with the talent the of the skill set of Jerry Lynn is a win.
3: When you talk about Jerry Lynn, man, he's one of those guys that uh it's like, if the machine could have got behind him, he was so, so good. So talented, yeah. JR. He was. Yeah. Well, we know months from now, Rey Mysterio will sign and head to SmackDown. Uh, was that the best indication that that was the plan in terms of cruiserweights and, and them trying to kind of have that, uh, emphasis on SmackDown?
2: I don't know how big that cruiserweight topic really was. I mean, it was, it was, it, it existed, but it certainly wasn't a, 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 uh, focal point, uh, all it was is getting some, some deserving talents, the opportunity to, uh, do what they do best bell to bell. And, uh, so, you know, I, I, uh, anytime you can get guys an opportunity, like I said, Rico getting a little opportunity as a stylist at Billy and Chuck, uh, Waltman coming back in and fitting back with his family, so to speak, all that was good stuff, get guys opportunities, created new matches. And, uh, I, and I thought in the, in those instances, it worked out pretty damn good. This brand split.
3: JR. someone who's noticeably absent from these shows, especially coming off WrestleMania is stone cold. Your buddy, this is not the walkout. We all remember when, uh, asked to put over Brock Lesnar a year later, that occurs, but he definitely went home during this period. What do you remember of Austin deciding to take some time off here?
2: Well, he needed it. You know, he, he needed it. He needed it for his head. He needed it for his body in general. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't going anywhere. He just needed a break. And then we make big news out of a fact that guy needs some time off just to recharge his batteries. It's not that big a deal, you know, it's not that big a deal. He's he was rode hard and put up wet and, uh, he needed to break. And, and I never questioned when he came to me and said, I need some time off. Cause I knew that he needed it. He, he was coming because he loved wrestling. He loved being in the ring. He loved being at the events. He loved the crowds. So uh, it wasn't a fact that it was a negative deal. It just uh, his body needed to uh, to tap out and and to rest and regenerate. So, uh, but we knew we knew Austin wasn't going anywhere. He just
3: needed time to recharge those batteries. Simple as that. Makes total sense. And uh, his absence will be handled a lot different here, as the draft takes place on March 25th from State College, PA. Pen- home of the Penn state Nittany lions, it's announced that Austin would go to the highest bidder and he would be exempt from the draft Jr. Did anyone on the roster care that he was presented this way when he walked out of the company?
2: Not if they're smart, everybody wanted to be on his cards. When I booked live events, I'm sure the first thing they'd look at is where Steve was, and they'd see if their name was on that same card. And they liked that simple. Yeah. It's all about the money. And people say, it's not about the money. It's all about the money. So, I don't, I never heard anybody complain about Austin's schedule because he had pulled the wagon for so long and he'd made a lot of guys a lot of money either working with him or working on his cards.
3: Well, the draft goes down. It does a 5.41 rating, the highest Raw rating since July. And a uh, big time audience for this. This is something fresh. This is something new. It's something that's never been done before, JR, right? People want to see what this looks like. Keep fans
2: like new. That common sense, new you know, reality-based new, and this certainly was reality-based in that respect. So no, nobody complained about Steve. And, and the great thing about it is that we knew Steve was going to come back, uh, once he got, uh, his, his mind and rested and refreshed. So, uh, no, we were, we were good with
3: that. Well, we have the results here. I'm not gonna read every single name, but what it looks like is we have Rick Flairs Raw on one side. You got names like Undertaker, Nation Hall, you got Kane, you have uh Raven, Terry Runnels. You got Trish Stratus, the Hardys and Lita, lots of big name talent there. And then on Vince McMahon's side, you got the rock and Kurt angle and Chris Benoit and Hulk Hogan, you got Tori Wilson, Stacey Cleet Keebler. My goodness. It's just loaded. You guys had a loaded Chris Jericho loaded roster, JR of talent and superstars and hall of famers back in this era.
2: Yeah. It's a impressive roster. Well, some of our best work as a talent relations department was to uh, assemble, uh, uh, this roster. And, uh, I thought we did a nice job with that and it, it put guys in position to make an impact. Uh, and I think that's, and most of them took advantage of, of that, of those opportunities, you looking, looking at where they are now and what they accomplished s- s- subsequently, uh, pretty damned impressive.
3: And as we said, triple H was the undisputed champion. So his role was to travel back and forth. He ends up defeating Jericho and Stephanie in a three way for the title. Hunter pins, Stephanie, she's now forced to leave WWE. I can't even believe I'm saying this. This was the creative having Stephanie as an on-air character for just a short period of time in this return seems a little strange. Was there a shift in creative here or was this just done, uh, when Hunter returned, uh, to write her off?
2: Uh, you know, I, I, she was a great heel. She was, I felt, uh, that maybe. Came a little early, but we knew we had not seen the last of her. You don't, you don't just discard a talent that's uh, as skilled as she was, uh, as a pro wrestling heel. Uh, she, she, she had, she really took after her dad in that regard, the natural instincts of being a villain and, uh, did a great job. So, uh, it might've been a little premature in hindsight. You know, we can do this whole show and do a show next week and the week after hindsight's 2020 folks. Well, I think they should have done this. Well, I think they should have done that. What did Dave say? Because he's, we know Dave has all the information, and so uh, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. I, I just, you don't want to lose a talent of her skill set uh, for less than great reasons. I don't know her getting off TV was a great reason uh, and a great development, quite frankly.
3: Speaking of Dave, as you say, JR from the observer, it's so funny. It's like, it's, he says here, it got so funny on March 25th that the wrestlers that were not among the top 20 picked weren't told at the show, which side they were on only to click on WWF.com that night to find out. Several who were driving to Philadelphia ended up having to call friends after the show to find out where they were picked. And even that didn't work since the WWF servers were overloaded in the hours that those picks were being revealed. Is this just a talent relations nightmare? What, why was the course of this action? To, you know, what? Well, this
2: one, this wanted to keep it quiet. And, and the boys are the worst ones to tell, because ah. they're going to tell everybody. And then now the like secret and, uh, yeah. and all that is the, the secret or, uh, are, the surprises are become misnomers it, it's, uh, sometimes the talents are their own worst enemy. And so I, I would not say that it was the best plan in hindsight, but it was the only way we knew that we could keep some confidentiality and, uh, and without everybody, you know, letting the cat out of the box.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're right because there's obviously people that talk to the dirt cheat writers and wrestlers that talk to them. So you're right. If you want to keep something a secret, then there you go. That makes a lot of sense. JR, did it make sense with some people that had to be drafted as a group, like the NWO, but teams like the Dudleys were drafted to be broken up?
2: I, I didn't like the Dudleys being broken up. Uh, And uh, I'm sure they didn't like it either. I'm guessing it's a long time ago, uh, but they're established acts. They should have stayed together in my view. Uh, not that they didn't do well, but they, you can't just replicate the Dudleys. Uh, they established, they had roots, they had, a, they were over, uh, and a great team, uh, so, uh, I, I would not have been, I was not for the Dudleys being broken up. I didn't think that was a good idea. And I, I can't remember quite frankly, but I am I would suggest it's not, it wasn't something that the, uh, Dudley's liked, but you know, it's a place of recall. You run it, yeah. you run the place, you do what you got to do. And, and the other thing too, is it kind of l- allowed Bubba and Devon to, uh, establish their own, their own route, shall we say their own or destination
3: identity. Yeah.
2: and so, but I wasn't for that split up quite frankly. I love the Dudley's team. Uh, they always are reliable for me. Uh, they worked their ass off. They had good matches across the board. They redefined the TLC matches, the tables and all that stuff. So, but I wasn't a big fan of the Dudley's breaking up.
3: Well, JR, the SmackDown, uh, the next night is in Philadelphia PA and they draw 13,600 with a 3.7 rating, really strong ratings here for SmackDown. It's the last official TV show before the brand split goes into effect. Had there been talks and determination on announced crews at this point, or was that even up for debate for this first initial brand split?
2: I don't think it was up for debate. Uh, you know, I think they plan leave Lawler and myself on raw and Michael Cole and whoever his partner was going to be, was the Taz? Taz. Uh, uh, they did a hell of a job. So why not? Why not use, uh, you keep that together. They had good chemistry, uh, different sound than Lawler and myself. So, uh, I don't think there's any controversy. Uh, you know, we didn't have a overabundance of announcers. And so it seemed logical to me, just leave Jr King where they were and Cole and Taz where they were, and then build from that. So that's kind of what we did.
3: Okay. Well, you had Vince and Taker defeating flair and Hunter in the main event. And that had to be a thrill for Hunter teaming with Rick flair. One of his, uh, one of his idols, one of the guys he looked yep. up to watching wrestling.
2: Oh yeah. I'm sure it was a fun night for Hunter, uh, growing up as a fan and flair growing up as, you know, Flair's the legend. Yeah, that's right. And you know, nobody better. So, uh, I'm sure they, that was a fun experience for everybody involved.
3: There's talk in the observer of how the WWF was trying to get most of the regulars down to a hundred, $125,000 or less on the downsides. Is this a company directive considering the downturn in the business?
2: Hmm. Uh, I don't remember that 125 grand thing. Uh, you know, you want guys to make a living. Uh, the better the houses do, the more money they're going to make if They're booked. Uh, I don't remember that being a, an issue cause you, your upside guarantee your, your downside guarantees what it is, but where you want to go is the, the above money. And that was something really, uh, that's something that we all wanted to do. I remember signing, uh, I told Chris Jericho when I signed him that, you know, I can't pay you what you're making at WWE, but I could make you more money at the end of the day because of, uh, the upside, the houses, a lot, a lot of events is just a key element in, in the pay structure and the better the live the, the events did, the more tickets they sold, the more money it was generated, the more money that they made. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember that about 25 thing, but you know, uh, I guess this has been also been a long time. ago.
3: Exactly. This is 20 years ago. So, yeah. JR, the first Ric Flair Raw takes place from Albany, New York, and draws 9,000 fans. It's a 4.84 rating. We got a new logo. We got a new theme music. We have that new undisputed title belt. It merges the WWF and WCW titles uh, together into one finally. And the show opens with Rob Van Dam defending the Intercontinental title against Booker. Van Dam gets the win, but after the match is attacked by the returning Eddie Guerrero And JR, we have that clip for you. Let's check it out. It's a good one.
0: The heat, thanks to Eddie Guerrero. And damn is crushed. Look at this! Where did he come from? And down with a hellaciously hard, on victory over Booker T, and then gets assaulted by by Eddie Guerrero.
3: Jr., you have to be thrilled to have Eddie back. Yeah. Well, he's
2: <clears throat> at that time he was considered certainly by his peers as one of the best workers in the world. So you get somebody like that back in your lineup. It's a win. Uh, and of course the, the dirt She well, could you have done it differently? I mean, I'm looking for eight stars just on the entrance. I think you could have done it differently. Okay. What Mr. Booker, what would you do? I thought that was impactful and it, Eddie left with heat. Rob Van Dam had a win, a tough win over a great opponent in Booker T. Uh, and then, uh, Eddie delivered the damage. Worked for me. It's simplest. It's simple, but sometimes the simpler is much often the better.
3: JR, were you impressed with how he handled himself while he was gone on his little sabbatical here? To Eddie? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, we just always want to get Eddie healthy. And uh, Eddie, Eddie, sometimes was his own worst enemy. He internalized a lot of things. God bless him. Uh, and he was so intense uh, and, a, and a perfectionist in a lot of ways. I can't tell you how many, the hours I spent talking to Eddie, uh, and you know, I wish I could have done more, but, uh, you know, we didn't realize Eddie had some health issues and, and I'm glad there's processes in place now that should prevent that quite frankly. So, uh, it's a matter of growing your growing and how you address your talent, what kind of systems you have in place to make sure that you're taking care of them as, as the best you can. Uh, but I was uh, you. You love Eddie back. I mean, my gosh! Uh, again, anytime you can put a guy back in service, back in the game, that's as good as he him. Uh, it, that's a, that's a that's a significant win for you.
1: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com
0: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about...
3: This show is also all about Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's going to sign with Raw and Ric Flair over Vince McMahon and SmackDown. But the real story, according to The Observer, here we go, JR, are the real-life differences were settled, from what I gather, this is according to Meltzer, on March 26th. Although he still missed his scheduled house shows, WWF handled it very old-school con man style, knowing certainly well in advance Austin wouldn't be at the show's that he was the big star in, but never letting the word out in the local media. It's one thing if someone missed a show due to transportation problems at the last minute, but something totally different when they just forgot to let people know when they know. There were also a lot of complaints in Rochester the next night as Austin's name was used in all of the advertising for yeah, SmackDown.
2: Big mistake. It's a mistake, Paul. Yeah, we can re- we can revise this, regurgitate this, whatever Dave says or anybody else says. It wasn't the right way to do business. I don't know why we did that. I could tell you Austin did not condone it. That's not his style, but that was a decision made by the higher ups. And, and, uh, whether I liked it or you liked it or Dave liked it or anybody else liked it, that's what it was, how it went down, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't ideal. I wish we had not done that. Uh, I always believe in being honest and truthful to the fans. Uh, and I don't, and we weren't on that occasion and that was unfortunate.
3: What can you tell us about this situation, JR? Was it tough to bring Austin back to the table, or was this just, uh, we need to get everyone in the room. Let's talk this thing out. Let's get it figured out type deal? No, I don't.
2: I don't know. Getting everybody in the room was a big deal. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how Steve felt about the brand split. I mean, it's going to go on with or without him. And uh, all it was going to do is create him some new opponents. He liked that. So, you know, I, I don't know, Paul, how to answer that question. I, but I don't remember us having a big sit down and getting everybody in a room. That getting everybody in a room is overblown. You know, hell, wrestlers can't agree to what. You know, they say, well, there, there should be a wrestlers union. These guys can't friggin' appor, uh, agree on what to have for lunch. So, not much, much less form a union. Uh, but it <laughs> sounds good in, in the sheets. It sounds good to, to some fans. You know, I I'm a big believer that uh, things are gonna work out. And Steve was, Steve was on board at just the fact that he wanted more information and he deserved more information and he wanted to know where he stood.
3: Who am I gonna work with, basically? You know it always solves the problems, JR? Communication. That's uh, it. That's that's what it is. The uh the NWO, by the way, takes over former APA's office. And Meltzer has this great line in the, the observer. He says crash. Holly finked to Bradshaw was Finkel a snitch. (laughs) Is that what he's trying to, trying to, trying to say here when crash Holly finked to Bradshaw? Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe that's just Dave's way. Uh, I don't know. I I, I don't know. It's portray Howard in that way. Well. And your estimation uh, is that, did you ever hear that about Finkel? Was he a little bit of a snitch or but well, he, he knew
2: all the dirt. Yeah. Howard okay. consumed copious amounts of, uh, internet chatter. He liked it. And then sometimes he, uh, would give us information that, that we would miss or something along those lines. But, you know, I don't know how I always had great respect for Howard. He's
3: great. Great.
2: Guy. Nobody loved wrestling more than Howard Finkel. Let's just put it that way. And he was a great ring announcer. Uh, he loved WWE more than anybody I've ever known. Hence, uh, he loved that, uh, that, that, the, the concept that he was the first guy hired by Vince, uh, and it was on April, April Fool's day, ironically. So, uh, but I got, you know, I don't know the Howard snitch and all that stuff. It's just Howard was Howard. He thought he was helping when he come into my office in the morning, and bring me the New York post or the daily news with, uh, Scraps of his breakfast on it. And there's, there's where he had, oh, Howard, he had eggs this morning. Huh? How'd You know, (laughs) well, it's, it's on my paper. You brought me so, but he was a nice, he was a good, good guy. He was, he was Fink and Fink had some unique, uh, personality traits, but I, but I, I loved him. We always knew Howard was reliable and dependable, did a great job. People loved him. And, uh, you know, I miss Howard this very day.
3: Thankfully, he stayed away from the sausage gravy. That could have been a real mess on your, on your newspaper. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is build to build, the Bradshaw getting an elevated role and working against the NWO, but Nash had already tore his bicep in his only match the tag match we talked about earlier. So it'll be Scott hall taking on Bradshaw at the pay-per-view. This return on the NWO is fading quickly. Isn't it, Jim?
2: Yeah. It kind of run its course. Yeah. I think people are ready for something new and, uh. We had a chance, you know, look at, look at how great Bradshaw, uh, became as a character w- when he was out of the APA, I, I'm a, I was an APA fan and I'm a big Ron Simmons fan, uh, you know, from my WCW days. Uh, you know, uh, I still look at one of my favorite nights was calling the title change with, uh, Ron and, and Vader. Yes. Uh, that was cool stuff for me. Uh, but Bradshaw reinvented himself to his credit and became a whole new character, uh, that had, uh, immense, an immense amount of increased, uh, marketability. And so that's his job being smart. And uh, he's, he is a smart guy, great entrepreneur, businessman, humanitarian. Uh, but his character, uh, the new character really set him apart and, uh, smart move by the company I thought.
3: By the way, if you want to hear JR call that Ron Simmons Vader match, go back and listen to the Vader episode. Just uh unbelievable. Uh time in wrestling and to hear Ron Simmons win that that championship. Uh JR, listen to this. Uh, I saw this and uh I thought, "Oh boy, here we go. Can't wait to cover this one with JR." Uh Dave Meltzer. He says, "You take a shot at the fans in your commentary, and and here's what Dave has to say." Jim Ross, apparently reacting to all the criticism of the lack of logic of Flair picking Undertaker in NWO, said that Flair drafted Undertaker to make his life a living hell, and that anyone who couldn't figure that out was an idiot. Wow, the babyface <laughs> announcer called the audience idiots because nobody knew that. Do you think it was a logical story or is that Vince talking through you?
2: I may have got a little I may have gotten a little overzealous. <laughs> I love that. But, you know, it's sometimes it's it just frustrating. Yeah. You know, there's always a, a mystery. There's always a conspiracy and God dang, it gets old. It really does. So, uh, and, and quite frankly, the, uh, making undertaker's life a living hell by the nature, uh, was, uh, made It's plausible. It made sense. He didn't like him. He draft him and you make his life a living hell. That's kind of what happened but that was too simple an explanation there's got to be more to it than that something's going on i need to know what's going on so i'll, I'll i i well maybe dave will tell me
3: give us the dirt that's yeah. what it's, it's always all about Jr. I love it always about
2: the damn dirt
3: we haven't gotten a little any Jim Barnett from you in a while by the way maybe we'll mix that in some point in the show Smackdown the next night is taped in Rochester in front of a sellout crowd of 8,500 it draws a 4.1 rating in Vince McMahon's first Smackdown Michael Cole and Taz as you said earlier JR are the announced team Uh, and it was reported for a long time though again this is a more Melts reporting that they didn't like Taz's announcer. Do you remember hearing that at all before?
2: Oh, yeah. Somebody's not going to like somebody, somebody, you know, uh, Taz did a great job. Absolutely. He and Cole were a new team. They're developing their chemistry. Uh, Taz was always prepared. Uh, you know, he does a great job, uh, on, uh, uh, rampage now Friday nights. Uh, he's, he's a, a real staple to that broadcast team. Uh, for AEW now, uh, but I, I never heard any, he, you know, Taz's personality, he wasn't going to win any Mr. Congeniality contests. You know, he just wasn't. And well that's just his, that's his nature. Yeah. So, and, is. uh, I never had a crossword with, with Taz. I helped him as, as much as I could. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you that. Uh, but, uh, no, I don't, I thought we, I thought Cole and Taz were, were really, uh, The team we needed on SmackDown and I thought they did a great job.
3: Oh, they certainly did. They were the voices of that brand and really Colin Taz were an awesome team. And it is good. Like you said, to see him in AEW getting to do his thing again, yeah. uh, behind the desk. So, uh, on raw flair announced that taker would be getting his first total shot, but here on SmackDown Vince announces that in the deal, he had the right to name who the first number one contender was. Is this just trying to fill in logic as we go here, Jim? I think so. Uh, uh connect the dots. Yeah. And create some
2: controversy. And that's kind of the controversy creates cash, as Eric Bischoff once said. That's right.
3: Well, Hogan makes his first appearance in the Red and Yellow Brother since 1993 in the WWF. The story's always been that Vince had Hulk fly back Monday after Mania to grab the Red and Yellow gear, but waited 2 weeks to use it. Have you heard about that story, JR? Do you know if that's true?
2: I remember I remember uh Hogan needing his Red and Yellow that's where Vince wanted to go, but then something happened creatively just to postpone that a little bit, but I don't know if it was any big deal, but, uh, uh, the red and yellow was kind of where we were headed.
3: Yeah. Well, Vince announces Hogan gets the title shot and it really makes no sense. since Vince is a heel and Hogan's a baby face, but whatever we're here. Hogan gets another huge pop and we are ready. It's red and yellow Hogan. It's April 4th, 2002 SmackDown, JR. We have the clip. Here we go. Let's check it out together.
1: Wait just a minute! We wait till backlash?
2: There it is, red and yellow, all over your screen.
3: Hunter got the smirk on his face.
2: Yeah, great heel. Triple H had the art of being a, a great heel down pat a lot of guys may not like him personally because who he married sad reason to not like somebody because of their choice of uh a spouse i thought it was embarrassingly stupid but uh uh people to judge this guy because of that but he was a he was a, like i said many times you know vince was the top heel in the attitude era and uh, uh and triple h was a close one a he came of age in the, in the during this period because hunter's responsibility now is to get a great match out of hulk
3: yeah and we're and gonna he'd ta-
2: do what rock did
3: yeah we're gonna so, get into that for sure so
2: uh that's kind of where we
3: are great
2: ovation nostalgia he's the eagles man i've said this before they want to hear hotel california and that's you hear hotel california when you're wearing red and white red and yellow rather excuse me
3: you, you, you hear the, uh, Jimmy, the Hendrix play on the song there. I, I kind of wish though, this was real American for red and yellow, just because that's the traditional nostalgia for me. Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah, yeah that
2: would have that worked.
3: So there we go. He's back. He's red and yellow. You had to have Hogan win the title in his first big match back in the red and yellow, right, Jim? I think
2: so. Yeah. I think that was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, uh, uh we did a, uh, it been released yet. Uh, a special show on uh, that title change that's right, uh, with uh, John John Alba, Alba. yeah, and it's a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy seeing it, it's on it'll be on uh, the ad free uh, network and uh, imminently. But I had a lot of fun doing it with Paul, he's very prepared, very professional. Uh, but uh, they the match with he and, and Triple H for the title was, I thought, really, really well done.
3: Yeah, no, check it out. It will be after this show drops later on this month. They are gonna watch the match together. It's John and JR, and uh it's the full match, and we're gonna show a little bit of highlights of it uh as we close out the show today. Uh, but again, another bonus perk of being adfreeshow.com member, all this great content. Well, rock pins Jericho and what will be Rock's last appearance until July due to doing all the media work that he had to for Scorpion King. Was it sudden that rock went away or did you have notice and didn't want to have him lose on his way out?
2: Oh, we knew he was going to go. He had other obligations. Yeah. Uh, you know, w- we also knew it was just a matter of time before he ceased being a full-time guy. He had too many great opportunities, uh, that all worked out. Obviously he's, you know, like last year, he was the number one, uh, box office guy. So more tickets, more movies, uh, tickets than anybody in the business. So we knew he, he was on the Dwayne made good choices. I'm excited about the fact that he's going to, he's rejuvenating the XFL. He's got a seemingly a great re- rapport with the NFL. Yes. Uh, and, uh, I mean, quite frankly, how do you say no to the rock? Uh, he, his lo- he, he uses so much logic in the things that he does. So we knew that his next career was waiting. Uh, but you know, we're, we're going to send arguably one of the top guys we've ever had away on a loss didn't need to
3: just to capitalize what you said his relationship with the NFL they've named the coaches which are uh, great names of Bob Stoops others who's who Je- Jeff Hazlitt I think uh, Jim Hazlitt I mean and the uh, Heinz Ward Rod Woodson lots of great guys he's he's pulling all the right levers the rock knows how to do it man he's all over ESPN yeah. right now it's just great to see I, what he's accomplishing I, I
2: love it I love it I think yep. I hope that they're successful I really do
3: what did you think of the difference in shows between Raw and SmackDown after the launch, JR? Did you think there were, they were separate enough to make the brand split seem legitimate in your opinion? If we
2: left it all alone, yeah. Yeah. You know, you got your roster here to get your roster here. let the, cultivate cultivate those two rosters and let them elevate. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was, I didn't feel any, I thought we, I thought it was in the beginning, it was working along pretty well. You know, you always want to create controversy. We were doing that, so so to speak. I think so, uh, but still, it was it was still growing. It was still evolving. It was still a new venture, a new journey, new road to travel. So uh, it it still were, had growing pains, no doubt about that. But I still think at that time, I thought this is the way to go.
3: JR, it's reported in the Observer that at one point, the double main event for Backlash was scheduled to be Hogan, Rock, and Austin versus the NWO, and then Hunter versus Taker for the title. Do you rem- ever remember hearing about that?
2: No. I, I may have heard about it then, but, you know, Paul, we're talking, we're talking 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't remember, folks, all these minute details of 20 years ago. I really am. Uh, I can't. I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, uh, quite frankly. But, uh, you know, that I'm sure that match was on the board. It sounds good. It had a lot of sizzle with well, that. Those two teams, uh, had a lot of sizzle, but I don't remember, uh, you know, again, everything was so fluid back in those days and things right. were moving and changing and, uh, you know, the last guy to talk to vent sometimes is how, where it ended up being, uh, but that's nothing new. That's it's that way today. I'm I'm, I'm assuming it's that way at every wrestling company I've ever worked in. You know, the last guy to talk to the booker, oftentimes uh, is has a leg up.
3: GR, I bet you remember who you had breakfast with yesterday. At least I saw a picture of it on uh, Instagram. Alicia Fox. Did you end up Yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. we yeah,
2: uh, went to the TPC uh, uh, Country Club and had breakfast. Uh, beautiful. Where they have the the sawgrass, you know, where they have the big the big uh, what is it called the the big the, I can't remember the name of the tournament, but it's huge. Yeah, and it's right down here from my house. Nice. So I, she got a hold of me. She lives here. She's from Jacksonville. She lives about seven minutes from where I live. She told me, and uh, but she's been clean and sober for three years. That's awesome. And I think that's a that was probably as good a day as I could have had because she was happy. She looked great. She's a beautiful woman. She's got a great relationship with her boyfriend. Uh, and I just, uh, I had a, we had a great long breakfast and talking about things, but she's, she's a keeper and I'm, I'm so glad that she's clean and sober and she's healthy. That's great. Uh, yeah, she's a really, a, a beautiful, beautiful person.
3: That's going to do your heart. Good to reconnect with people like that and see that they're doing so well. Yeah. yeah it's so good i'm I'm glad that you got to do that uh back to the uh storyline here was taker pissed <laughs> that Vince made. I mean let's call it right the right call by switching the main event to Hunter versus Hogan. I can't see taker getting pissed. He seems like a guy that was always ready to do business whatever Vince needed. It makes good copy, yeah
2: well, oh, taker's pissed. What's going on and oh oh taker is pissed no. that that was not taker' style. Yeah, he would speak up. He was he was press himself, and he did often because he was the conscious of the locker room. He was Clint Eastwood. He's the, he's the he's he's the guy that everybody looked looked to for direction and and things of that nature. But uh, I don't remember him being terribly upset because, as you mentioned, the, the that booking of Hogan versus Triple H made sense. And you got to strike while the iron is hot. You got that's a forty-eight the year old wanted. guy with yeah. You got a forty-eight year old guy with multiple back surgeries. You don't know how long he's going to be available. So you strike while the iron is hot. And that's what we did.
3: You had to give the people what they wanted, and then if you've wa- if you watched Taker at his Hall of Fame speech, you know that's just not the guy he is. What's Taker pest no. now? See, so he's
2: more mature, uh, uh, a more refined professional than than that. Yeah.
3: Well, Don Marie and Nova, Mike Bucci of ECW, were signed. Bucci at one point even joined Talent Relations later on in his career. Any uh, any recollection of working or you know,
2: smart guy, okay. you know, smart guy, uh, office kind of a guy. Probably was better suited to be a, a support player in the office than he was getting his break and working main events uh, for the company. Uh, Mike, smart kid, and always. I always enjoyed working with him. He always got his assignments done. Hey Mike, follow up on so-and-so, uh, give me a tape with this guy or whatever. He was right there. So, uh, uh, Mike was fun to fun to be around because he was a business guy and he was, he was honest and and reliable. Uh, I use those words a lot. People may be getting tired of hearing it, but reliability is the number one trait that I always looked at to sign a talent. Are they reliable? Are they going to show up for work on time? Are they going to be straight? Are they going to be in shape? Are they going to flunk any drug tests because they want to be cute? Uh, you know, uh, because they're weak, uh, and we don't need weak people uh, in the in that certainly in that level of uh, creative or anything else in pro wrestling. So Mike was a good kid.
3: Yeah, reliability for you, JR, was table stakes. That was foundational for you. Yep. And it makes sense. You get, you got to, this is a tough business. You're on the road. You, you got to have guys that are willing, guys and girls that are willing to be there, show up. You can count on aren't going to be, you know, it's
2: like your job. Yeah. It's like your marriage. It's like your relationships. Can I count on you? Are you, are we loyal? Are we together here? Are we on the same page here? So it's nothing. It's not a magical formula. that's only exclusive to pro wrestling. It's yeah. life. That's
3: right. Well, Raven gets to try out as an announcer on heat with Jonathan Coachman. Uh, what did you think of Raven as an announcer? Did you get to hear him at all? Hear his work?
2: Oh yeah, of course I did. Scotty was a, a good talker. Uh, the only thing about Scotty, sometimes people thought he wasn't serious enough, maybe, uh, but he was very creative, very intelligent, high IQ. Uh, and he and coach were, Hey, look, it was the green with the green. Your yeah, coach was green. You know, that wasn't his, uh. That wasn't his uh, pre-designated calling. He was an interview guy. He was a segment guy, not a not a play-by-play guy. But uh, I thought they did find They were entertaining at times, quite frankly. So, uh, but Scotty's a talented guy, no doubt.
3: Well, JR, we move on. It's Raw from Phoenix in front of a sellout, 13,500. It draws a 4.76 rating. And the focus of this show is Austin and Taker winning matches to set up a number one contenders match at Backlash to earn an undisputed title shot at the May pay-per-view. This show also has a great angle with Spike and Regal. Regal hit brass knuckles in a turnbuckle. And uh, while the referee was distracted, Spike came out, grabbed them, hit Regal with them, and won the European title when the ref turned back around, do you know who was the one who put the, those little things together and who
2: actually put physically put the,
3: just put those like little details, I together. I like think Meltzer
2: that. did and he gave himself five stars. Well, <laughs> I don't know who did it. So yeah, regal may have done it. Yeah. So well, you want, you kind of want him to know where they were. Yeah. He's going to use them.
3: Well, between that, I'm sure they had a great, you know, great agent, uh, agents too, that they're working with. It helps them really kind of put this whole yeah, whole deal together yeah. as well. Heyman, by the way, does his first interview finally about Lesnar and Meltzer calls it classic seventies grand wizard <laughs> introducing the new monster. Is heel that good of, or bad? I of wonder, the month. in today's world. I think it's good, but buddy, you'll find out cause I got the clip for you. Cause of course I do this week. Here we go. We're going to check it out, uh, together, Jr.
1: Lesnar, you can do anything you damn well please, and it pleases me this evening to educate all of you, you're welcome by the way, to educate all of you on some historical facts, historical facts that led Rock Lester to the monumental decision of hiring me as his agent. I
0: think there's going to be a filibuster.
1: You see, it was a historical fact that I, Paul Heyman, managed Steve Austin and groomed him to be Stone Cold.
0: Is that a fact?
1: historical fact that I represented the Undertaker and groomed him to be the (laughs) Deadman. It is a historical fact that I was the architect of a concept called ECW that spawned WWF Attitude and created the multi-billion dollar conglomerate of sports entertainment that you see today.
0: Did you see Lesnar's ear, JR?
1: There is a moral to this story.
2: And we'd love to and hear that it, Paul.
1: And moral is, <laughs> I, better than any single one of you, can spot the next big thing. And ladies and gentlemen, the next big thing is Brock lester ncaa heavyweight champion brock lester it's all true the invincible brock lester the invulnerable brock
2: lester there we go the descriptors the
1: indestructible (laughs) brock Lesnar.
2: There you go. Give me another one, Paul. The
1: impervious to pain, Brock Lesnar. Ladies and gentlemen, the next big thing, Brock Lesnar.
0: I'd love to say he's lying. All
3: right, JR. Who likes to hear Paul Heyman more, you think? The crowd or Paul Heyman? Oh, that's that's a tough one. <laughs>
2: hey, look, that promo was great. It and, was uh, great, and it, it's it kind of set up the backstory of Brock and all those things, and 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 the f- fact of the matter is, the work the best promos a, a heel can do are when they tell you the truth, and you don't want to hear it. You can't defend it because you know it's in in fact true. And, and Paul had a big hand in in uh, all those things he talked about. I don't know if he should get credit for the Attitude Era, but nonetheless. <laughs> You E know, C ECW, ECW, BCW, let's get all that done because we love talking about ECW, BCW, uh, so, but I don't know that how responsible Paul was for the attitude era, but I can tell you this. He was, uh, he's been, a, he's been a key player in that company as in, Paul Heyman is as much the MVP of WWE as anybody on the roster because he, he makes, he makes stars He does, and he's done that with Roman reigns, uh, obviously and done it very well. So, uh, but Paul was the perfect guy to manage Brock or to be his agent. Same deal. So, uh, I, I like Heyman's promos. I've always liked them. You know, when the, when the booking committee in Atlanta didn't want to do business with Paul, cause he was arrogant and, uh, argumentative and smarter than most of them on the booking committee, uh, he, uh, he, I said, I'll work with him. Cause I saw a great partner for me as a, as a broadcast partner. So I want to take care of me and my team, me, me and D- me and Devon, uh, and uh, get that handle. So it was, uh, it was fun. He, good. He's really good. He's, he, he is and he's awesome. going strong, man. Yeah. He's still doing great work.
3: He is the proverbial icing on the cake for guys like yeah. Brock Lesnar, Roman reigns. You're absolutely right. he Roman reigns now just feels bigger than life. And, and I credit a lot of it to Paul Heyman's help. To do he, as you should,
2: as yeah. you should. Paul's yeah. very much responsible for, uh, much of the success of, uh, Roman reigns as more than any other individual other than Roman. Yeah. Heyman's the guy.
3: Well, you can also tell around this time period here that they're trying to build something between Flair and Austin. It sadly would never really get to that. Uh, but was that something you think at this time, JR, and I know we're talking 20 years ago that they were looking to ramp up here, having that Flair heel boss role once again, the babyface Austin, or would two heel owners on both shows hurt the product in your mind?
2: Well, the, the star power wise Austin versus Flair would have been money. Uh, you know, big money, I think Not, maybe I'm naive in that respect. Uh, but no, I, 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 I like the, the concept, you know, it's just politics, uh, time, place, all that stuff was, was challenging. It was hard to get all these new new uh, keyword, new moving parts on the same page. And, uh, so, you know, I, I, I I'm a. I think maybe, uh, it was an idea before its time
3: Jr. I'm really upset about something. And, uh, I'm going to have to go back to the, uh, the guys that help us build out these, these show scripts and things like that. And video clips, because I don't have a clip for what I'm about to share with you. And this is the one video clip that we needed this week. SmackDown is taped for April 11th in Tucson. And really all that's remembered from this show is Stacy Keebler dancing on a table to become Vince's personal assistant. Uh okay. We don't have a clip for that. Were you at the SmackDown <laughs> tapings even though you weren't announcing?
2: Of course. Yeah. I was said of talent relations. Talent was there. Why wouldn't I be there? Uh, Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm just curious, but yeah, we don't have a clip for it, but uh I'm sure you can jump back and, and check out April eleventh, two thousand two. Uh, Sometimes I even still see memes for that on Instagram or postings for that dance routine. And Vince's reaction is priceless. It's worth, uh, it's worth going back and checking out at this point. JR, do you think, uh, off the jump that raw was a better show? Of course I did. I'm I'm on on it. it.
0: (laughs) I knew
2: you were going to say that. I love it. Egocentrically. Of course it was. That's right. Uh, You know, I'm yeah, it was, uh, it was established show. But still we're going to try to do all we could to make SmackDown, uh, uh, a a hit and, and make it must see television. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, a lot of, there's just so many moving parts here, Paul. It's just, you know, we can go back and recapture memories and we can say, well, what if this happened and what if we'd have done that? And we should have done this way. And some of those things are true. I'm with you, uh, and we're the fans, but, uh, it was, uh. It was just a very interesting time. As I said earlier in the show, it creatively, it was, it was probably one of the most, uh, uh, fluid situations that we had had things kept changing and changing. And this guy wanted to be over here and this guy wanted to be over there. And I want to travel with my girlfriend and, you know, I didn't get the TV time I needed all those things. That was a daily deal. So one of the reasons that I would go to SmackDown is that's where the talents were and, and, and some of them needed Council, some of them need to talk about their pay, about the created, uh, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I was there at all of them.
3: Well, uh, we're literally getting ready. This is another big time news time for WWE for the WWF to no longer be the WWF. Did this name change impact you in any way on the run up to it?
2: Uh, well, just making sure you didn't misspeak those yeah. ha- habitual things. Oh, uh, I, I did that. that a few times, still do it t- occasionally, which I'm often reminded of, I mean, I wonder if people pay this much attention on their insurance and, and, uh, Paying their all these things. Time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, blue to it. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm, a I, it just a, for me as an administrator and a talent, it was a real, some real challenging times.
3: It is man. And I, even when, you know, doing all these podcasts and talking with you and going through these shows, you know, the shows and stuff, it's like, wait, was it WWF? Was it WWE? Oh, I hate this shit. It's we're no. just going to call it WWE, but, uh, man, I miss the WWF. That was what I grew up on as a kid. It was the Hogan era and the WWF. And it just stinks that everything had to, had to change, but it is what it is. And it's one of the big changes and then has a new brand. And here yeah. we are.
2: Thank the world wildlife fund. Yeah. Right. That was such a joke. It wasn't a joke for Vince and the company because of the millions of dollars that they had to reinvest to, to, to rebrand their company over something as frivolous as the world wildlife fund. I'm not against the world wildlife fund, uh, or taking care of animals and things of that nature. Their, right. their intent is good. Yeah. But, uh, did it confuse the marketplace? Absolutely. You gotta be kidding me. Hell no. Yeah. But well, the were... English, the English court thought so. But as you know, the world wildlife fund is based in England Home field advantage.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the go home raw is from college station, Texas, 7,939 fans with a 4.77 rating. There's a lot of good work in the women's division and Meltzer really puts over how far Trish Stratus has come. Were you surprised how quickly Trish seems to have gotten so good in a wrestling ring? She flied
2: herself wholeheartedly. She became a true student of the game. Uh and didn't want any shortcuts because she was a girl. Uh she was she was born to be in the business, did a great job. Uh we knew she had star power. I knew I knew she had star power when I hired her. She had charisma that you couldn't take your eyes off of. And not, I'm I'm not being crass here. Uh
3: yeah, no, no, no. Or I was
2: staring at her boobs or something. Yeah. She was just great. And yeah. uh she, had she applied herself. She applied herself, Paul. She wanted to be great. And she almost willed herself
3: to success. She had, and has the it factor, even to this day, she's I'm
2: going still... to be at, uh, I'm going to see her and lead together in uh,
3: in Liverpool. Oh, you lucky. Like I, she's one. I always have, I want to meet, man. She's on my bucket list. I love yeah, she's her. She's a great tradis. person. She's a yeah. sweetheart. She really is. Good for you. I, I, again, I hope you have a great time there catching up with everybody. Uh, it's announced that Flair will rough Austin versus Taker at Backlash. So we have that added. Is this too much for the match? Or do you think having H there is add something to it, uh, JR? Well, it depends if you're going to do an angle
2: out of it. Uh, it's okay. But if just as far as uh, I'm not a big fan of wrestlers doing referee gigs because they don't normally know how to do them. And as well as uh, let's say uh, Mike Chioda or Earl Hebner. We have great referees, but it, it it added some sizzle to the formula.
3: So we got Booker T and Goldust getting put together as well as a tag team and they are hilarious together. Is this just the case of something being thrown together or, you know, did they click? Did they have fun backstage and someone say, "Hey, let's put them together in a tag team during I think
2: that latter is far the most uh likely. Yeah. Uh they they got along well. They had a s- similar sense of humor. They're both very entertaining guys, both unselfish in that respect. So uh, there was something there with a Booker and Goldust. There's something there that we wanted to try to capture.
3: Ah, very good. You do an in-ring interview with Hunter, and the crowd is apathetic to say the least. When you're the babyface champion taking on the babyface hero hero, and you're still acting like a babyface, it's got to be difficult to get a reaction, is it not? Yeah, it's challenging. It's t- Hunter's in a tough spot. He is. And in the same week, World Wrestling All-Stars from Australia taped a show for pay-per-view, which featured Scott Steiner and Nathan Jones on top, and Vince McMahon announced a massive show for later on in the year. Do you think that was Vince going after them, or just a natural progression of expanding your business?
2: I think it was a natural progression of expanding your business and also protecting your brand. Uh, and uh, that's how I looked at that deal. It was, it was a ripple in, the, in a sea. It wasn't a big tidal wave. Scott Steiner and Nathan Jones. And, uh, I, you know, I'm a, Nathan could have been a great start. Nathan just mentally had, a, had, had issues. Uh, it was, it was not socially, uh, uh, you know, skilled and, uh, you know, Scotty Steiner's one of the best. I, I love Scotty. He's a great talent. Injuries kind of curtailed some of the things he was doing, uh, you know, tearing this and tearing that. Too many guys are tearing biceps and triceps and pecs and all those things. Uh, but no, I think it was just a matter of he's nipping the bud and the world all-stars, I don't know that anybody lost any sleep over that deal.
3: Well, Jr. SmackDown finishes the go home week with Vince telling Hunter that if he loses to Hogan, he'll put him on SmackDown full-time. SmackDown needed Hunter though, right, Jr. In your estimation,
2: at this point? any brand needed Hunter. He yeah. was he was hot, and he was a leader, and he could have great matches with anyone that we wanted to book him with, and he took all those bookings as a challenge. You know, here's a guy that's got it. You've got to deliver against Hogan. Can you do what Rock did? And uh, that's a challenge that that I'm sure Triple H took personally, and they and they pulled it off.
3: JR, we're going to look for some dirt here from you. So see what you can give going into backlash. It's determined that it's best that you and Lawler call the show and not have it go back and forth between raw and SmackDown. Did you agree with that decision? And did that lead to any heat? Let's hear it with Colin Paz.
2: Well, I don't know if there's heat. We love the term heat or the word pop. I popped. Oh, I popped. Oh, when I saw that, I popped. (laughs) It's like being back at the ECW arena. We're going to all sit around and say, ECW, ECW, uh, I love uh you. You're no, I, I, uh, I, 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 I'm sure yeah. cause I would have been disappointed if I were cold and Taz absolutely and they had boo-boo faces to some degree and I don't blame them. They should have been on that show. We should have been able to figure something out, uh, that made some sense. Uh, but, uh. They never complained to me about it. Uh, what, what am I going? I didn't sign refer- the re- referee. I didn't sign the referees either. Uh, I, I didn't, uh,
3: <laughs> make the announcement. I didn't have decision. anything
2: to do with their selection of, of yeah. who the announcers are going to be. Yeah. And if they had split us up, then cool. If they'd have said, Hey, junior uh, uh, we're going to use, uh, we're, on this show, we're going to use cold and Taz and you and Lawler could set out. Okay. I wouldn't have liked it. I would have been disappointed just like cold and Taz were, uh, but When you get into a situation where in life in general, if you fixate on things, you cannot control, you're really wasting your time and your energy. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like complaining about the weather. I'm going to go outside and I'm going to demand the rain stop. You know, well, so I, I I don't know that they, uh, raised hell about it. They may have just personally been disappointed, but I got to believe that uh, Michael and Taz were disappointed in the fact they didn't get to work that show. I would have been. And I don't blame them for being that way.
3: So Taz didn't put you in any suplexes or the Kata oh, Hajime or any on the, other whatever. Way, the backstage. Yeah. yeah.
2: No tope suicidas for Taz and Jr.
3: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we cleared that air. So that, there Yeah, you I'm go. sure glad we did that. <laughs> Before we get into backlash from The Observer, to the surprise of virtually nobody, Scorpion King set a record in its first weekend of being the biggest grossing April release in the history with an estimated $36.2 million. It broke the record set three years ago of $27.8 million opening weekend for The Matrix with a $60 million budget and another $35 million earmarked for promotion the movie looks to be on pace for being a major financial success and Rock looks to be groomed to be one of the biggest money players in Hollywood. Jr. just how little we knew then, huh, buddy?
2: Whew. Yeah, no, he's, that was his destiny and it, and, uh, it's worked out very well for Dwayne. I'm very happy. I'm going to work on a project with him, uh, which I haven't talked about, but I'm going to work on a project with Dwayne. Uh, uh, I think we're going to talk about the territories, uh, and he's got a panel, you know, we're, you know, I think, uh, we've got a panel. I, I can't remember who all is on this panel, that I'm going to moderate, uh, Michael Hayes, I think, uh, uh, golly, Jake Roberts, Ted DiBiase. Wow. And they're, they're, we're taping that for television, a television special at some I don't know where it's going to air, when it's going to air, but you know, if rocks involved and Brian Gawertz is involved, it'll be a, 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 a real, uh, good piece of business,
3: man. That's exciting. Can't wait to hear more about that. Uh, right here, breaking news on grilling Jr. Looking forward to seeing how that, uh, evolves. Very cool. Jr. Well, Jr we're here. We're at backlash. We're at the show and from the observer, Vince McMahon promised the happy ending to the Hulk Hogan, comeback and delivered with Hogan, winning the WWF title from triple H to headline the backlash pay-per-view on April 21st in Kansas city at Kemper arena. It was something that was probably going to happen at some point, but even though it seemed like the obvious finish from the outside, it was a late decision, not finalized until the day of the show at 48 years old, Hogan became one of the oldest world champions in history while not the oldest champion in WWF history. That would be Vince McMahon for a one week gimmick run in 99 at the age of 54. And that was designed to pop a rating In your opinion, JR did Hogan's age matter at this point, or was this a non-issue?
2: Non issue. Big time. It got over the fans. The fans supported Hulk. Uh they were there. Obviously listen just listen. Look at the crowd reaction. Visually see it. Audibly see it. Hear it. Uh no, it was it was a good call.
3: Well, Meltzer goes on. He says the show drew 12,489 fans uh, to Kemper arena with about 10,000 paid. Well, shy of a sellout, despite the Hogan storyline of the legend in his last quest for the title, which is historically a good draw with ringside $300 a piece. The gate itself was healthy. It looked good on television because they had a large, large percentage of the seats blocked off and five minutes before the show. WWF officials went to fans in the balcony and handed them new tickets for much better seats that would be noticeable on camera. Kansas City has never fully recovered as a wrestling city from the death of Owen Hart in the building at the last pay-per-view there on May 23rd, 1999 WCW made things worse by slapping some fans in the face, by having Chris Canyon do a fall off the cage when they did nitro in the same building a year later, leaving thousands of fans with a terrible taste for wrestling in their mouths. It always has to be a little eerie going back to Kansas city, Jr to the Kemper arena. Does it not
2: Kemper? Especially. I don't know why we went there. Mm. I'm not, not, I'm not, you know, because of what had happened prior, the Owen situation. I mean, of all the arenas in America that we could have run. Uh, we ran Kemper and I don't, I, I never have quite figured that one out, but in any event, uh, the crowd was responsive. It was, it was representative. It, you know, got over 10,000 folks there. They were pumped up. I, I remember the crowd being involved, but I also know that, uh, behind those tearful eyes, sometimes in the crowd that they were thinking about the last time they were there for a WWE event. And it's just challenging to get those thoughts out of your and those images out of your mind.
3: Oh, I can imagine that makes total sense.
2: And, and for Lawler and I, yeah, you know, nobody gives a shit about us. Uh, but bottom line is, is that, you know, we had to relive it again too. And considering I was the one that made the announcement that Owen's was, <laughs> had, had died, you know, I had, I carried those with me from, uh, all the way from the, when it happened to going back. So I don't know. I don't, I just selfishly, I wish we'd have done it in another building.
3: Yeah, you're right back in the exact same ring position most likely that you were yep. for then, so. Well, the show gets a mixed reaction from the wrestling observer readers, 40% thumbs up, 33% thumbs down and 26% thumbs in the middle, and we're going to get into the card here, JR. It starts off with Tajiri pinning Billy Kidman 9 minutes 8 seconds to win the cruiserweight title. They open with some lucha spots, Tajiri did his hard kicks, Tori Wilson was once again wearing a kimono. She could be wearing a, a paper bag. It wouldn't matter. A cool spot was to Jerry doing that flip into a springboard elbow backwards. But Kidman drop kicked his back. To Jerry did a German suplex into a rolling reverse cradle. Did a series of near falls and the crowd was into it strong, since several of them looked like the finish. Kidman picked to Jerry up for a power bomb, but to Jerry blew red mist in his face and got the pin. Three and a half stars. Was there a lot more to do with Tajiri in your mind, JR, or was his English an issue in getting him to the next level?
2: Well, yeah, obviously, you got to be able to communicate with your primary audience. And Tajiri was a great worker. Absolutely a great worker. He and was. A fu- funny guy, great sense of humor uh, for a guy that didn't have the English speaking skills. Uh, but he was a great talent. And I, I'm sure glad that we got to run th- with him through the company. Uh, and but, yeah, I, I think that I think that Tajiri is very underrated. And so is Billy Kidman. I mean, God dang, we started off this show with a that's a hot match. absolutely and, uh, those guys did a good job and and uh, I'm glad they got booked.
3: If you're a Tajiri fan and you haven't seen any of his work in ECW, go back and check out some of that stuff because he puts on some amazing, amazing matches there too., uh, match number two, Scott Hall. he pins Bradshaw in five minutes and forty three seconds. X-Pac, who's wearing a cane mask, was out with Hall, which brought Farouk out with Bradshaw. They did a reunion between the two of them early, and on heat, they did a Dudley's reunion where Bubba thought Devon had gone nuts. Fans were chanting, A-P-A. Hall was brutal here. Again, this is all according to Meltzer. Just out of it. Not selling much. Bradshaw did the clothesline, but X-Pac put Hall's foot on the ropes. X-Pac punched Bradshaw and ran from Farouk who finally called him and rammed his back into the ring post while Bradshaw was watching. Hall gave him a low blow and pinned him using the trunks. Dave gave it a quarter of a star was just, just another sign that, uh, Scott just wasn't working out at this point. Scott K-R. needed
2: help. Yeah. Hall. Scott needed help. And, uh, he didn't want to get off the road. I remember when I called him and, and after the plane ride from hell and let him go. I said, I don't think we're doing you any favors by putting you back on the road right now, you need some help. You need to get your life back together or you're going to, it's going to kill you. And, uh, so he was on the road when he should not have been in my opinion.
3: Well, it all works out for Bradshaw. We know JBL long-term, but man, what a way to kind of be the worst case scenario here for a single debut. Uh, but we move on it's match three jazz retains the women's title over Trish. In four minutes and 29 seconds, Molly came out to attack Trish Trish before the match, sending her into the steps. Jazz looks like Mike Virgil Jones in drag, but it's a hundred times the worker. Again, this is all Meltzer here. Her in that frilly short dress just doesn't work. Solid stuff. Actually very good for a WWF women's match. Jazz used a Boston crab, then turned it into the STF for the tap out star and a half. Jazz and Virgil, JR? What's going Uh, on here? Uh, somebody's trying to be a comedian. Yeah. He's not very funny. Uh, but it was hard for the WWE to give them a legitimate spotlight as athletes at this time. Wasn't it? It just felt like it was.
2: Well, the women's thing was still evolving and uh, we knew, we knew we were going to build the women's division to something more viable and marketable. Uh, and we also knew that talents like jazz, uh, Jackie Moore, uh, Lisa Moretti, uh, and I'm sure there's others on inadvertently leaving out uh we knew could help us a lot uh, and we needed the jazzes of the world to help the trishes of the world elevate their game both fundamentally and confidence wise so uh you know i I, uh, I i was also i was sold i was i, I took a personal interest in who we hired as the, as the female side and how they were how they were nurtured and uh so, you know, we had workers like Molly Holly,
0: yeah.
2: these are talents that could work with anybody. And they needed to, they needed to sacrifice their own career. So to speak, And hey, look, they're getting paid. They were getting paid less to lose or, or paid more, more to win or whatever you, any equation thereof. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I was, I was proud of where that thing was headed, but that line was,
3: uh, yeah. I don't yeah, know stupid. It's good to see people you mentioned Molly Holly pay it forward now. She's a great agent producer now for with the women's division with the WWE. So it's really nice to see her continuing on. Yeah. Sweetheart of a person.
2: I met her uh, through Dean Malenko. Uh she introduced me to, to uh Nora Nora Greenwald. <laughs> yeah. And she's uh, has never been anything but a pleasure to work with. I I had not talked to her in a long time but before she went in the Hall of Fame. She had to give a little talk and she called me two or three times to talk about her speech, just, you know, uh, what I thought and some ground rules. I said, you well, Vince is going to lay the ground rules. He's going to, he, he's not going to give you the time that you probably believe you need to tell your story in this uh, forum. Uh, but, uh, we had a really classy group of ladies and I'm, I, I love them all. They, they contributed a great deal to what we were doing and, uh, and again, you know, you got to, you get women in the locker room, uh, handsome women, uh, and that can be taxing with all the guys there. Everybody's got, you know, everybody's still uh, sure. normal. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but I, I, I have always, I've, I've never have anything of a great me- memories of that group of women that pioneered what we're seeing today in uh, WWE, as far as the women are concerned great matches with uh, Becky and Charlotte and, and all those cats, uh, you know, um, uh, just, there's just they, they, the, those women that we're talking about here on this show are the ones that laid the groundwork for all that stuff.
3: Absolutely. And you hear the Becky's, the Charlotte's, the Sasha's talking nothing but high praise for the women that we are referring to now here yeah. today. So it's really nice to hear that. We move on. It's match 4 and it's the beast Brock Lesnar uh defeating Jeff Hardy in 532. Meltzer says when the ref stopped the match uh at 532, they announced Matt as being injured and being at home with an injury. Jeff got a lot more offense than I expected which wasn't a good thing. Match was too long.
2: Why wasn't it a good thing? Why wasn't it a good thing? Why if one, because you know, Lesnar's going over and so you give Jeff Hardy a hope spot or hope spots to where he could, he have done it. Could he have beaten this beast, uh, under a different circumstance or on a different day, uh, I, I totally disagree with that situation you, for Lesnar to get that big win, uh, he needed to beat somebody yeah, and somebody that's having a good outing that's giving Lesnar more problems than Lesnar perhaps perceived. So I don't, I don't agree with that particular, uh, uh opinion, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, uh, but you know, look, Dave's a smart guy and he's been around a long time and a great living in this business. He's a smart guy. Uh, and he's probably smarter than I am. As far as the business is concerned, I'll, I'll I would say that, uh, whether I believe it or not, it's another story, uh, but he's a smart guy. Uh, but, uh, he should know better than that. that he, the fact that you want Jeff to shine a little bit. Before you put him away.
3: Yeah. He goes on and he says that the match was too long because it required Lesnar to sell with his manager and his look, he can be a monster, but as a worker, he's not ready for the big push and trying to have him work, trying to have him work hurts more than helps. Lesnar used a double power bomb followed by a spinning spider bomb. When Ref Teddy long stopped it star and a half. Yeah. So, ah. the finish is great. It shows the ref has concern that Jeff can't continue. It gives Brock that separation from being one of the rest of the roster. Uh, but at, to your point, you know, Lester gives up some offense here and, uh, you know, he's working on his selling, but in your opinion, Jr, was he ready at the time for this push? Or do you think it would take a couple of months just to fine tune? Oh, he needed
2: more time. He wasn't ready, ready, ready. Yeah. But to be ready, it doesn't mean you can't sell. It doesn't mean you can't put all the pieces of a, of a a good performance in place that makes the performance better. So I, I, I disagree with that opinion, but again, it's the same thing I said before, you know, Dave's got his right to his opinion and, uh, I don't have to agree with all of them, but that's cool. He, he doesn't agree with all of my stuff either. That's right. That's
3: fine too. That's why we're all, uh, we're all different people and have different thoughts and opinions. Right. So there you go. That's
2: right. Match no big deal.
3: Yeah. Match five is Kurt angle. My guy. And by the way, if you want to hear Kurt's thoughts on this match with edge, he and I just recently covered, uh, backlash 2002. You can check that out, but he pins edge here in 13 minutes and 25 seconds. Tremendous match. This is Meltzer. Meltzer loves Kurt angle. By the way, we figure we hear that, uh, we go through the, these reviews of Kurt's matches and Meltzer definitely loves some Kurt angle.
2: It was a mark for
3: (laughs) Kurt. Yeah.
2: He was a mark for Kurt and, and as, as many of us were.
3: Yeah. I mean, Kurt did it. Kurt was was just fantastic. He says, uh, he goes on to say there was some weird commentary in spots. Lawler and Ross are always so smooth together and that they kind of know where each other is going, having worked together for so long, not here. Ross was putting down edge and asking if there was any gold medalists who came from Canada, then Ross talked about Stu and Bret Hart who were never in the Olympics. And then they talked about Ben Johnson. Nobody remembers the hockey team. I doubt this played well there. Okay. Engel did a tremendous belly-to-belly superplex early to set up the ankle lock spot. Edge did a scary German suplex with Angle landing on his shoulder and head. Yes, I remember seeing that spot. It was very scary. He also did a plancha from the top rope out of the ring and a missile drop kick for a near fall. Angle came back with the angle slam for a near fall. He went for an ankle lock, but edge reversed it into a front rolling cradle. Lots of strong near falls with the crowd going nuts for them with a creative clean finish. Edge went for the spear and angle kicked a field goal with him and got a pin with the angle slam. This one, JR got four and a quarter stars. What do you think about uh, Meltzer's recap of the commentary?
2: Uh, Well, we're trying to make edge a heel. And try to follow that uh, same train of thought that we did with Brett. You'll be a heel in America. You'll be a baby face in Canada type thing. <clears throat> at least that was the thought process, but that, that was basically simple. Simple as that, uh, edge had a great cult following. He's a good looking kid. He had the hair, you know, he, he, he was coming into his own as a worker, a phenomenal workers. He's evolved it to be even this very day at his, at his stage of the game. So I think all we were trying to do is just make sure that Kurt was positioned as a baby face That's
3: all simple as that. This is, uh, the beginning of the big push for edge and man angles, just fantastic here. As I said, Kurt's the perfect guy to help elevate edge. Is he not?
2: Yeah. Yeah. They had great, ma- they had great chemistry. They liked each other. They had great chemistry, but we knew, and we knew what we had with Kurt obviously, but we also knew what we had with edge. It's just a matter of getting him there. And you're not going to get him there on one match, one night, one show, one finish, you know, whatever. Uh, so I think that was all to try to protect Kurt as a baby face and to st- establish that edge who wanted to be a heel was being positioned as such.
3: Yeah, no, fantastic match. If you're going to go watch one match on this card, that is the, the big four plus star match to check out. We go uh, to Jericho who does an interview talking about Kidman, Maven, and Stratus having bouts on the show and him not. He said he was leaving, which as a heel guaranteed, you know, he was going to run in, but it does seem on here, JR, that he's coming off main eventing WrestleMania and has no match on this card. Does yeah. that just, I mean, is it just a case of we just have so much talent at this point or
2: I think it was just a 40 put him yeah. in a place that he deserves to be. Uh, he got a good interview, interview time. He got to say see his side of the. Uh, the story say his piece, uh, but it also harkens back to how Chris was booked at times, you know, there were still some in the camp that thought, well, he's too short. He's not this, he's not that, you know, I hired him and I, you know, when I, when I brought him to Vince's house after I'd we'd come to terms, uh, essentially, uh, you know, Vince was shocked that he was so short and Chris probably five eleven. He's under six feet, but, uh. I, I just didn't ever have, have, I thought he, he had a bad hand at times politically. You know, a lot of guys are, he was coming in and of course, when he came in, he, he's, he paired up with a rock, which pissed off. Some guys because why didn't I get to pair up with a rock? Uh, so a little, little office politics in that respect and undeserved. Quite frankly,
3: Chris is one of those guys, Jr. That makes you completely forget about him and his height. I mean, you oh, yeah. think about it. He's so.
2: I called a lot of, I called a ton of his matches, probably more than anybody else. I've never once stopped and said, "Boy, he's short."
3: <laughs> exactly. It's just so far away from anybody's mind at this point. Yeah. It wasn't like
2: calling the Hornswoggle match or something.
3: He's <laughs> short, by the way. Yeah, yeah. All right, we move on. It's match six, and here we go. We talked about it earlier. Eddie Guerrero came back, and here it is. He wins the Intercontinental Title from Rob Van Dam. Eleven minutes. 43 seconds. Meltzer says Guerrero looked great, but Van Dam just wasn't all the way in it. Crowd was up and down. Van Dam may have been hampered with his knee injury, but also worked sloppy after a ref bump by Tim White, which was about to become a pattern. By the way, Guerrero used a neck breaker on the title belt, uh, followed by the frog splash. Since they were building the program around who had the better frog splash, he gave it three and a quarter stars, so J R Guerrero returns here in a big way with a big victory for the intercontinental championship is, yep. uh, you know, you're, you're showing here that you've got a lot of faith back in Eddie and and you're proud of him.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. We had, you know, he's a, he was just, uh, amazing, an amazing worker. Was it, was Eddie Guerrero. Uh, and I, I just, I loved it being around him. I loved his, his battle for resurrection. And to rep to prove his life and to get rid of the demons and things like that. they were not easy. He battled them every day. But, uh, I, I always, I fell in love with Eddie's character because I can remember many, many times sitting in my office at TV, having, having, uh, chats with, with him mm. and, you know, and I, and I, I'm, I'm blessed. I got to have him. Oh, we got to know each other better. I became a better manager of talent through the experiences of working with Eddie and i i always cherish those those opportunities that we have got to have those talks and hugs and uh, and tears uh, uh that uh i'll never be able to to to, to replicate I just it was wonderful
3: and it's great too JR. I'm sure, sure you still get to see uh vicky around AEW and oh, backstage. Yeah. so that's nice too she seems to be doing very well at least appears that way on screen so very good Well, JR, we move on it's match seven it's undertaker pinning Steve Austin. This one went 27 minutes. Ric Flair was the referee. As we mentioned earlier, Flair wore red boots. This is all Meltzer's uh, feedback here. Ross mentioned red shoes, Dugan, probably the most famous ref in the business in the sixties and seventies, because he was big both on Los Angeles TV, which went everywhere and in Japan. Waller didn't know what in the world he was talking about crowd chanted. What like crazy fans booed a lot. When Austin got a two count and undertaker didn't look like he kicked out and flair stopped counting flair was not a good ref and they didn't involve him in spots like you normally do when putting over a special ref got no idea why the match was so long and it did nobody any benefit hall and Xbox came out and just watched, they never did get involved. First flare bump, so he missed the stunner and Austin having a long pin. Austin went to uh, help up Flair, who was selling way too long for Flair, but I guess he had to. Low blow and choke slam by Undertaker, but Austin kicked out. Undertaker grabbed the chair, but Flair kept from using it. Austin gave Undertaker a low blow, and Undertaker must have forgotten immediately because he didn't sell, then kicked Austin in the face. Austin tried another stunner, but Undertaker got out, and in doing so, Austin knocked down flair again. Undertaker hit Austin with a chair for a near fall. Austin used undertaker's dragon sleeper, but he powered out. Austin started stomping him in the corner with the fans chanting. What with every stomp, ah, that's the one cheer, man. I wish was never started. Yeah, me too. Austin and flair started fighting over the chair when undertaker kicked the chair in Austin's face and got the pin. Even though Austin's foot was on the ropes. It looked like flair was making sure his foot was on the ropes before counting in the camera angle. But on TV, they showed the opposite angle where it appeared. He couldn't see Austin's leg on the ropes. Austin gave undertaker a stunner afterwards. Coach went to flair and showed him a tape where Austin's foot was on the ropes and flair said, oh shit, two and a quarter stars. (laughs) JR let's take a look at it. We have a clip of this wrap up of the match. Here we go.
0: Uh oh. Undertaker signifying that the end is near. You know what that means? It'll be the last ride for the rattlesnake.
2: Well, that's exactly what you gotta believe the Undertaker's thinking. Oh, wait a
0: minute. There, look at that submission mode. Austin counter of the close line. Got a hook the leg. One, two. <laughs> Another near fall. Brett now was that count the same speed, JR? Or did that just uh, uh, speed up just a little bit? It might have been a little faster. Oh yeah, it might have been. Uh, Austin now uh, using the Undertaker's uh, finishing maneuver uh, for the Undertaker using his, uh, his strength to power Austin back into the uh, corner. And catching Austin those elbows. Not Here's the chair the again, not the chair again. Blair oh, sees this chair being used. He's, He's gonna disqualify the Undertaker for damn sure. He makes contact with so That's what That's the Mr. Flair, did you not see Stone Cold Steve Austin's leg on the rope when you counted one, two, three? What are
1: you talking about?
0: You didn't see it? No, I didn't see it. I gotta show you what's he gonna do? Come over here. Come over here to the monitor. I wanna I wanna show you what just happened in that match. Watch real quickly, Mr. Flair. <laughs> there was that bootling. The to see it. Oh. <laughs> he sees it now now mr flair what do you have to say after seeing that footage
2: oh. <laughs> <laughs> a little awkward but <laughs> it but it worked now you're thinking did flair see it and planned all along to screw Austin or, or, or not. Was it just bad fundamental and refereeing? hell? I don't know, but it got, it got people talking obviously. And it got, uh, Austin lost, but was protected undertaker won, And he needed that. So, uh, execution wise, could it have been smoother? I guess it could have, but I'm not so sure what we were trying to accomplish there all these years later, yeah. Uh, to, be, to be honest with you. But, uh, it certainly got people talking, is there a conspiracy with flair and, and Austin, uh, you know, how, how does that really, how's that going to wash out and evolve? I don't know. Uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of what you want to do. You want to leave the fans with more questions and answers.
3: Well, we move on Jr. from that one. It's match eight it's Billy and Chuck retaining the WWF tag titles over Al snow and Maven five minutes, 58 seconds. Meltzer says it's a good match. Just put in a death position. So high on the card, big pop. When Maven hit the flying cross body on gun, as snow was chasing Rico, Chuck used the kick to Maven and Billy pinned him two and a quarter stars let down match, but not a bad one. Like Meltzer said, what did you think of Billy? Chuck fundamentally sound.
2: Yeah. Somebody has got to follow that, uh, star-studded yeah. undertaker and, and, uh, 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 an Austin match with flair involved. Uh, it's it's not an enviable place to be. Somebody has got to be there. We're overstating the obvious of saying, well, they're put into a tough spot. Uh, they were booked, they got paid and they went out there and they made the most of their few minutes that they had in the rain.
3: Well, Jr we're here. It's main event time backlash, 2002 it's Hulkamania running wild. Hulk Hogan, he pins triple H in 22 minutes and four seconds to win the WWF title. Let's, uh, check out the Meltzer recap. He said again, no idea why they went this long Hogan can't bump. And a while he tried, he looked bad. Triple H did the figure four Hogan got away, did his big comeback and hit the leg drop Jericho then attacked referee Earl Hebner and hit Hogan with the chair. So there you go. Jericho, uh, does make his big pay-per-view entrance. Uh, Triple H not wanting to win that way, I guess. attacked Jericho and knocked him out of the ring. Hulk up spot, three punches, high kick, but he missed the leg drop. Triple H did a pedigree. So mistimed, I thought it was Vince taking it. Undertaker then hit Hevner. Gets his little shots in there. That's both main events with multiple ref bumps. Undertaker hit Triple H hard with a chair and pulled Hogan on top. Hogan didn't want it either. So he clotheslined Undertaker over the top. And in that one spot... I already was scared of them doing a singles match. Then came the leg leg drop in the pin. There was only real heat in the last minute, but the crowd went nuts when Hogan won. Triple Is H that,
2: bl- does that count for something? It, it the should. crowd went nuts. Should yeah. that not count for something?
3: That's right. Triple H bladed, and with the blood running down his face, he strangely looked like a face painted Ultimate Warrior. He teased attacking Hogan after, but they shook hands. They posed together forever once the show went off the air. He gave it a star and a quarter. And in our final clip of this week, JR, I have the ending of this match for us to watch together. Here we go. Listen to the crowd, man. Is, yeah, we only this got a, is a reality,
2: star for, is
0: this a dream for Hogan
2: is The crowd was buying is all this, Paul.
3: Oh, absolutely, and, and that's and what this, the point was. this is was. the
2: match that John Alban and I did. Uh, we talked about earlier, just a brief mention. That's going to be on a special uh, ad-free show's presentation. But we, they told a great story, and it, it uh, wasn't Meltzer's cup of tea, obviously. But, uh, in any event they represented themselves as well as they possibly could.
3: There we go. There's the, uh, pedigree spot that we just covered in Meltzer's notes, triple H going for the pin. We'll go to a little bit of the audio here.
0: Knocked down and look at, oh look at the Undertaker. He's pulling Hogan over to the cover triple H, and Hogan says, Hell "No, I don't want your head. I don't need your
3: help." Again, he's going to win it the Hulkamania way, baby.
2: Yeah, the only way he should win it.
3: That's right. things, Jr. Yep. Nobody better introducing a brand new champion than Howard Finkel and nobody better to call it than yourself. People can oh, say whatever you want about me. Kissing Jr.'s ass. Yeah. Yes. I'm puckered up. Okay. Assholes <laughs> I'm puckered up, but yes, that's just amazing. The call that you did there, wrapping up that match. That gives me all the feel, sir.
2: But she, uh, t- tie a nice bow around it, Good tie a nice bow around. And he, uh, also, I deviated from accentuating triple H's loss. I, I accentuated Hogan's victory and that's yeah. how you psychologically do that.
3: Ah, so good. That's the Jr that, uh, we grew up on, sir, <laughs> and that, that we loved and that really made, made the moments for us, uh, Hogan, obviously that was a huge moment. The crowd went bananas as they say. And, uh, man, like you said. Regardless of technical matchup, was there a Tope Suicida in the match? No, did they need it? No, we were there to watch Hulk Hogan and the rebirth, as you said, of Hulkamania. And, uh, man, what did you think overall of the, how this entire show was laid out?
2: Uh, there was a couple of matches. I probably wouldn't have gone as long with Austin and uh, taker. I thought that might've been a, more time than they actually needed to tell a good story, but guys, uh, you know, their egos how much time does so-and-so have? Well, they're going to get 30 minutes. Well, we want 30 just because the other guy got 30 or 20 past 20 or whatever it is. Uh, but I, I thought the show was uh, overall decent, solid. And I thought that, uh, the only downfall I could see are those two big premium matches that went maybe a little longer than some folks would, uh, assume it needed.
3: And by the way, not all of you are assholes, just the ones who feel the need to DM me telling me how much I, uh, lick Jr's nuts. Uh, every time I do the show, (laughs) he
2: doesn't lick my nuts, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) but Paul is a good
3: kisser. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I know how to pucker up. Uh, so listen, um, did you think triple H versus Hogan was the best that we were going to get out of Hogan at this point in your estimation?
2: Well, I thought triple H did a marvelous job of pulling, pulling the wagon on that deal, leading the match. And, and not calling any spots that Hogan couldn't execute. We knew he was limited. Everybody knew he was limited at that stage of his life. And it wasn't so much that he was 48 years old as back. It had so many surgeries, you know, could his body withstand, uh, the, the, the strenuous nature of, uh, that main event slot. Yeah. And, and I thought Hogan did a good job with that situation. I thought that was, uh, it was all well and good, you know, uh, I understand, you know, Meltzer likes the Japanese stuff a lot more than he likes American stuff. Seemingly I might be wrong about that, but, uh, you know, you, you got to work with the talent strengths and that's kind of what I thought that match. triple H did a great job of making sure that Hogan stayed in his comfort zone to execute this match. Very, very classy by triple H.
3: He does like his Japanese stuff more than American, but he seemed to find his way over to AEW because he really puts over a lot of the stuff that AEW does. So I gotta
2: well, go. and he's got to. Well, it shows he's got good taste.
3: <laughs> there you go. I like, I like, I'm you with there. Uh, well, so what do you say, JR 20 years later, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle overall oh, backlash. Thumbs up. Thumbs up.
2: Yeah. Okay. It's thumbs up. No doubt. All those uh, famous names, those historic names that we'll never see again in a ring. Uh, it was exceptional. It was a piece of time that was historic in nature. Was it the greatest pay-per-view ever? Probably not. Uh, was it the worst pay-per-view ever? Absolutely not. So, uh, but I I thought it was a good show. I I, I thought it was a good, solid show, a little something for everybody. And, uh, that's what you try to accomplish.
3: Jr. is a crazy 20 years later to realize this is the last pay-per-view of the World Wrestling Federation. That was it. That was the fun yeah, a little one. bit. Yeah,
2: it was hard to get your mind back focused on things. I remember the one of the first nights we did uh, the brand split. They had not given us new gear, and I had not even thought about new gear on television. Uh, swapping out what I was wearing that said WWF, uh, and uh, I know Jennifer Good, who was one of our producers, sweet lady, pretty smart. Uh, she got she got her ass chewed out for letting me dress that way, and I I didn't even think about it. I honest to God I didn't think about it. I had a I had a dated shirt on, for that if I'm not mistaken, and uh, of course that was easy. That was quickly remedied. We got new gear and and uh, we started using it Im- immediately. But uh, poor old Jen got a little ass chewing on that deal. I heard after the fact. And, uh, I took responsibility for that because, you know, look, I've been around a long time. I should be able to just be smart enough to know, to pick out your, your attire. We just didn't have any of that new attire. So I should have worked something else, obviously.
3: Well, we're, we're sorry about that, Jen. Hopefully uh, you recovered nicely from that ass chewing. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you have 20 years later, Jr. Let's do it. Let's get into the fan questions. Cause we got a few of them and then we'll wrap up the show we'll start with adfreeshows.com my buddy ol' lopez and he says jr how much advance notice did you have that the wwf name would change to wwe
2: well as a work in progress i guess you know several weeks we knew something was going to happen just waiting on the courts to do all their do their thing and you can't predict a jury you can't predict a court decision uh but we had several weeks we knew it was coming
3: All right. Next up is hazard F five Jr. I got to put this guy over big time because he helps us with ad free shows with title chase. He also has his own Patreon and YouTube channel. Check him out. Look for him on social media hazard F five. If you're a belt mark, he does a fantastic job with belt reviews and I'm, I'm just a fan of his at all. I follow him, but his question this week, Jr. Is Brock was my favorite performer from 2002 to 2004 and had it all. How soon was it established backstage that he would in fact be the next big thing? Was the plan always to make him a main eventer before the end of that year? And was he always the intended 2002 King of the ring, or was that determined after it was decided to give that year's winner a title shot at SummerSlam?
2: Uh, we knew, God, how do you not know? Yeah. How do you not know Brock Lesnar going to be special? Uh, so that'd be my answer. How do you not, how do you not know? You want to get him ready uh, for his in-ring work. You want to get him ready for the social side of it on the road. Uh, responsibilities of a main eventer. So, but you know, it, it it you know, it's just too obvious that he was going to be extraordinary.
3: Blue chipper, as you say, Jr. Blue chipper, yeah, he was man. Adfreeshows.com. Top guy Mitchell Barnett asks Jr. What is your personal favorite version? Of Hulk Hogan, the red and yellow Hollywood or Mr. America, which one
2: I really liked Hogan as a heel in the NWO. I thought he made that group, uh, so relevant and they, their results stick for themselves. So I really liked, uh, uh the heel Hogan, uh, cause it was new. It was fresh. It was something he, he made a departure from his, uh, normal bill of fare, shall we say? but I liked the heel Hogan in the NWO. I thought that was very, very well done creatively. Uh, and it was, it was, it it, it was great until they started adding everybody and their brother to the group. Yeah. You know, if it stayed hall, Nash and Hogan, uh, maybe one more X-pop, for example, I'm okay with all that. But when they started adding more and more people, I, I I thought that watered it down.
3: Yep. Perfect watered down. Exactly. Adfreeshows.com Slap Adam S ask what was the rationale behind putting the undisputed title onto Hogan? Did it feel detrimental to triple H to lose the title to Hogan. So soon after it's comeback and win at WrestleMania 18.
2: Uh, no, it's just business creative. Yeah. Look, it worked. It worked. The crowd told you it worked. I don't know what more you got to do. Uh, you know the the numbers spoke for themselves. Uh, Hogan represented himself well. The crowd was was ready for Hotel California. It's all good stuff, man. Yeah, I crowd, had no, crowd no pro- Crowd loved it. Yeah, and and so what? What else we needed to prove? What else needs to be done that it wasn't a Tanahashi match? It wasn't Okada and Tanahashi in a fifty eight minute match. I don't know. I don't. Know. It depends on what you what your flavor that your you have a taste for on that day.
3: When, when you're a company that prides itself in listening to your audience, there wasn't other, any other rationale that was needed to figure out what needed to be done there, JR. So That's right. you, you got it. Adfreeshows.com slapnut Adam Arpin. My buddy says uh, Backlash 02 was the first time WWE went back to Kemper Arena since the tragic passing of Owen Hart. What was the atmosphere like backstage? If solemn, and- solemn yeah. brain surgeon. Solemn. You think we had rejoiced and
2: had a parade? No. We all had the memories of that fateful day, a horrific day that many of us like to er- erase from our memory. So it was, it was a uh, and emotional.
3: There you go. Uh, Instagram, a wrestling historian says the original plan was for the undertaker to defeat triple H to win the undisputed championship. Is that true or false?
2: I have no idea. I don't remember uh, is it viable. Undertaker is always in great stead and, and deserving. So you could make an argument either way, but I didn't hear as much talk about that until, uh, we got the idea that, uh, Hogan could do it. And this is the way to go for now.
3: Ben Ledbetter's up next. He says, Jr. Were the Hardys the right opponents to start Brock, uh, w- in your opinion? I know Matt and Jeff are great hands in the ring.
2: I don't know why it wouldn't have been a, a, a great way to start. I mean, Jeff Hardy was beloved and, and, uh, over, just don't forget he was over and he was, uh, and you know, we we think back to think about the match where I said something along the lines of climb the ladder kid make yourself famous with Jeff and undertaker. Uh, we knew Jeff was special, uh, but, uh, I don't see anything. The only thing I would have been against is a handicap match, the Hardys versus Brock. I'm glad at least it was a singles match.
3: Noah Kirby's up next, JR. He said, Why didn't Bradshaw push? Uh, why didn't his push last long in 2002? You
2: know, God. His push. The darn. Why didn't his push? My I want to push. Shit. <laughs> I don't know why his push didn't last longer. I mean, uh, either. Vince thought it wasn't working as to his full benefit, or uh wasn't John wasn't quite ready. I don't know. But John followed uh, through all that and became a major star as JBL. But I don't know about his push. My <laughs> God, Connie. Yes. the push. Yeah, we love the push here. Jesus Christ.
3: We got some Barnett. Finally. There we go. Thank you, uh Noah. Baseball is finally here. He says, "What were the original plans for Triple H's title run before Vince pivoted to Hogan?" Do you remember? Uh,
2: that? You know, you're asking me minute details of a 20 year incident. How the fuck do you think I can remember 20 years ago? And his idea, or this guy's opinion, or did he was he solemn? Was he happy? Did he bring dirt? <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> Almighty! Are you kidding me? Uh, Sorry, original, you know, uh, Uh, triple H has always figured in, we knew he was going to be a champion and a long-term champion. He was a perfect guy. He could work with baby faces or heels, but he was exceptionally good at being a heel and a heel champion is very desirable in my estimate, how I, how I would book.
3: JR, you should be a skit on Saturday night live. where just, you just stand up like a podium and people just fire questions at you. Just your reactions sometimes are priceless. And guess who we're hearing from Longtime NWA wrestler. The Italian stallion is up next. And he says, why didn't Hogan use his real American theme during his wrong? Come on, JR. Why didn't he use that? I'm sure, you know,
2: yeah, I know. I can't tell you though. Oh, I know. Oh, and you, she only knew what I know and you would know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm really big into belts and music, not so uh, Italian stallion. He, uh, he was a pretty good hand this day.
3: If yeah, it's the same guy. It's not, it's just somebody using that as their. Oh dad.
2: shit. Yeah. I was so excited about getting a, something from the Italian stallion. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, it's, uh, uh, I don't know about that theme. I think, uh. Maybe they didn't want to go back that far in time. You know, maybe that was the best one to keep it a little bit more contemporary. Yeah. Hey, look that, uh, uh, that, that Jimi Hendrix stuff's not bad, man. That music, not bad. You know, uh, was it voodoo child? Yeah. Yep. You know, for years I thought that 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 was voodoo chili. (laughs) I think I had voodoo chili somewhere on the road. I was going to say
3: that sounds kind of good. Voodoo chili. Yeah. Yeah. Mix in a uh, little, little cheddar cheese, some sour cream. I'm in. Let's do onions. it. Onions. Oh yeah, raw onions.
2: So, uh, but you know, I don't know about the music thing. I really don't. I've been asked. Being, I'm not trying to be rude. No, you're but, having uh, fun. It's I don't fun. know. I don't know. Uh, I just think maybe they want to keep it contemporary. And how do you how do you mark out? How do you eliminate Jimi Hendrix?
3: Really? Yeah. Come on. Well, JR rumor and innuendo is that next week. So watch along with Conrad Thompson and JR, and it's going to be a classic Raw's war episode from 25 years ago, April. Conrad's going to join us next week. He is. It's you and him has to be I'm on the road and, uh, and he's going to be back and You were going to get another one in the can you're going to Liverpool. So yeah, it's going to be April 28th, 1997 live from Omaha, Nebraska, as you build the cold day in hell. And, uh, you'll talk about Bret Hart's surgery, his anti-American promo on the show, Owen Hart takes on Rocky Maivia for the intercontinental title. Vader, he tries to rough you up, which I think we saw a highlight of that. Not too long ago. I was about
2: ready to whip his ass too, but I felt bad for Leon. Cause I've hooked a lot of 400 pounder's asses in my time back in my, as Tony <laughs> Greer would say back in my day, the <laughs> sheep were afraid of us.
3: <laughs> yeah. We got uh, to check that clip out with the Vader episode and it's the build to the gold dust interviews with you. And then finally it's taker versus bulldog when the anvil returns. So lots of fun to look forward to there. Uh, again with grilling Jr, just excellent, excellent content going on each and every week here on the show. JR, we've talked a lot about AFS and all the bonus content over there. So let's talk about JR's bbq.com. Cause we are into grilling season. My friend Fan- fans are saying, oh my God, not another commercial <laughs> not another
2: commercial. <laughs> we don't know what the word succinct means on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, the copywriters are writing this copy. It's way too long. It doesn't need to be as wordy. And, but we love our sponsors. They're good people. So we're just trying to be uh, good, uh, partners. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I,
3: I, JR. the good news is the ad free audience doesn't have to hear any of it. So it's, yeah, that's know, true. Yeah, that's right. So, so join. Well, that's ad-free. right. Yeah.
2: That's how you get by with that. That's how you, uh, uh, evade. that that stuff.
3: That's right. Nine dollars a it, month. whatever,
2: yeah. but no, we love our sponsors. It just, I do think that our copywriters are living in their own world and they are a little long. Uh, they're worried about, uh, it's just so the are a little bit long. That's just me critiquing my, our own show. Uh, and just, so that means I'm an honest guy. That's right. And I'm well, not trying to you. cover up some, cover up some bullshit. Uh, but we got great sponsors that all, all the products work. You know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how many Bluetooth packs I need to take to England. <laughs> so got like There's up. a lot
3: of talent over there. So
2: I got to work on my, bud- my, I have to budget my, uh, my blue pills, uh, and see what happens. So, but anyway, uh, th- next week will be good. Uh, but com. you know, my buddy Stephen Link, who runs my site, was in the hospital with uh, viral pneumonia. Yikes. He's out of the hospital. He's healthy. Everything's back to normal. Good. So, uh, orders are back uh, shipping out, I mean, rapidly, daily. Uh, so, check us out at jrsbarbecue.com for the gift packs, the gift boxes. Uh, nothing else, just a bottle of sauce. Uh, I got, I've been getting a lot of great, uh, positive feedback on our seasoning, which is makes anything better. Anything we got the large, we've got, we got a large size now and, and a and, a, and a, the traditional size, but it's all good stuff. And they make great gifts. You know, we talked about this at the holidays, stocking stuffers, but they're good for father's day. They're good for birthdays. Thank yous, things of that nature. So, uh, check it out and take a look at it. And again. It costs nada to
3: look. Absolutely. Check it out. The, he said it. The multi-purpose seasoning goes good on anything. There's nothing I haven't tried yet, JR, that I haven't said, my gosh, it just enhances it. It's an enhancer and it just makes it so much better. And burgers, dogs, it doesn't matter. Throw it on there. Yep. Steak, you know, whatever you're going to throw on Seafood. The yes.
2: you grill fish and you want something to uh, add a little personality to it, that's the way to do it. And it's healthy. It's got, I think it's got. Uh, well, it's like the mustard. I I I use our seasoning on like like uh, uh, salmon. And I'll sometimes if I have the chance, I will season it and let it sit overnight in the refrigerator. Mm. And then uh, when I grill it, I will grill it, and at the end when I turned it and it's ready, almost ready to come off the grill, I'll uh, drizzle. That's a, that's a, that's a big time chef cooking term. I'll drizzle, uh, our main event mustard on it. It is, it is phenomenal. Wow. You ain't got to cover. You ain't got to drown it, but drizzle it on there. And to taste, you may want some more when you, when you taste it. Uh, but boy, it's really, really good. So, but we appreciate everybody's business. Uh, I, we really do. It's just wonderful to be, uh, appreciated in that regard. And I know a lot of people buy our products because they're good. They taste good and, uh, they're also supportive of my family's efforts and that's go. what I'm really grateful for.
3: That's awesome. JR's com. Check it out. Find those gifts, send it. If you're a man listening, send it to your, to your uh, significant other say, Hey, this would be a great gift. Y- he said it father's day's coming up. Uh, it doesn't even have to be, it could be a thank you. It could be anything, yeah. Just, you know? So there you you're go. Right. Listen, uh, JR, it's been my privilege to be with you here again today. We appreciate all your support on Grilling JR. On behalf of the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross, I'm Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you right here again next time here on Grilling JR. And I'll see you in Liverpool.
2: Cheers, everybody.
3: John brings his skewed sense of humor, Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys.
1: They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> you pay me more? Just right? Smith teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys,
3: the
0: podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.